Adult content intended for an adult audience only as this contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of this story is purely fiction and not intended for anything but the enjoyment of the listener. If you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out. Wolf's Girl by Olivia Chapter 01 Long after everyone else had departed the pack meeting, Giles and Carson sat on the back porch steps in silence. They were both Caucasian men in their mid-forties, but that's where the similarities ended. Giles' hulking frame dwarfed his otherwise perfectly normal, average-sized friend seated beside him. The larger of the two, with his short beard and long wavy hair, looked like he belonged in another time and place, maybe trapping furs and forging new frontiers through the Alaskan wilderness. Carson's button-down appearance and glasses made him appear more at home in a modern, glass-walled office building. Giles also happened to be a werewolf. Carson was too agitated to to enjoy the cool evening, but Giles looked up and lost himself in the view of mountains in the distance. A few stars already shone above the treeling. The night would be clear for stargazing. Explain it to me again, because I don't see the logic, Carson asked. Giles answered in his deep, throaty voice. It's like this. The worst thing you can do for a young romance is encourage it. Having your parents tell you who you should find attractive is the worst. Sometimes young people want what they can have. You should know all about that. He grinned at his friend. Carson managed a smile at their private joke. In the thirty-plus years they'd known each other, only one thing had come close to terminating their friendship and argument over the woman Carson would eventually marry. But that business had long since been settled. Yeah, okay, he admitted. And Max is feeling trapped here. Giles explained. She's headstrong. She gets that from you, you know. More unlikely, she'll go without your permission anyway. So if she brings it up, let her go to California. Support her choice. See how it plays out for a while. Truthfully, Giles admired Carson's daughter for her spirit and energy. Mackenzie was a force of nature. If he was a younger man, but Giles stopped his thoughts well before he wandered into fantasy. You mean the scholarship she applied for without telling us and still thinks I don't know about? Carson said with irritation. What if she never comes back? What if she falls in love with someone there? Or gets pregnant or falls in with the wrong crowd? There's so many ways this could go wrong. Giles laughed and shook his head. Max has always been responsible. Her outburst tonight, she had some good points. Forcing her to marry Connor, I'd never force her. I just think she's not seeing the big picture. She's being selfish. And rude to Connor, quite frankly. Giles huffed. My nephew has looks, but he's kind of a moron when it comes to girls. I don't blame her for putting her foot down. Connor can win her over in time. He just needs to grow up a little. Carson sighed. Connor's fine. He's just young. So is she. All couples have to work at the relationship. They'd get used to each other if she just gave him a chance. She gave him a chance last year and he royally screwed it up. Giles laughed tiredly. Carson said nothing. This part was true. 
He picked a piece of grass off of his pants and flicked it away. Giles continued. Besides, this is her home. And you're her family. She loves it here. She loves being outdoors, loves the animals, the trees, the fishing. She even likes snow. You think she'll be happy in a big city, and one that far south? Her whole goal is to work for the park service. She'll be back. And in the meantime, I'll work on Connor. He put a hand on Carson's shoulder. She'll be okay. She will. Carson just shook his head. Having his daughter leave home, to go so far away, to trust her to handle herself, and trust that she would return. It was a lot to ask. So much could happen to her. He peered at his friend. Since when did you become the smart one? Maybe all your lecturing over the years finally sunk in. Giles answered with a grin. Or cooling my ass in jail a few times actually did me some good. Carson laughed. Mackenzie Innes had her nose in a textbook. Her first year of classes in California had been tough and they wouldn't get any easier before the semester was over. She had been afraid, at first, of being on her own in a new city, but she'd persevered. She was proud of how hard she'd worked. Her work ethic and common sense had even managed to impress a couple of notoriously tough professors. She kept in regular touch with her family back home. Her father had given her a stack of phone cards and a brand new 2002 flip phone so that she could call whenever she wanted. Shockingly, her parents never brought up her betrothal or asked when she would move back home or anything. They offered to pay for her to fly back for the summer but Mac thought she should take a job, and they agreed it was the sensible thing to do. They asked about school, fine, thanks, they asked if she was dating, no, no one in her life, but they gave her her freedom. It was a novel and welcome change from the way they treated her growing up. She sometimes wondered why they were doing this, but didn't dare question it. A knock at the door interrupted her studies. Still muttering passages from her textbook to herself, she got up and looked through the peephole. You have got to be kidding me. She opened it. Connor? What are you doing here? Surprise! He said, greeting her with a toothy grin. It was the same old Connor. Look! Flowers! He produced a small bouquet of yellow daisies from behind his back. Connor had never once, not once, brought flowers when they were officially dating. Mac laughed and accepted them. As she held them in her hands and took in their scent, she realized they really did brighten her mood. Thank you. Okay, since you've come all this way, she said, shaking her head. You may as well come in. Had Mackenzie known then that Connor would be dead in less than a fortnight, she would have greeted him with more warmth. Thanks. Wow, what a shithole, Connor remarked, dropping his duffel bag just inside the door. It was true. Her apartment was terrible. It badly needed paint, and the carpet was stained. It was full of old furniture that she'd either picked up off the street or found in thrift stores. She'd made a genuine effort at fixing it up, but there was no distracting anyone from the lack of professional maintenance. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, what are you doing here? Did my dad send you? She sniffed the flowers again. No way. I came down here because I missed you. How've you been, Mackie? Max squinted one eye at the total lie, but let it go. I've been good. Making mostly A's. What have you been up to? Mostly A's? Connor lowered his voice conspiratorially. Did you blow your professors? Come on, you can tell me. Mac pinched the bridge of her nose. He was going to drive her insane if he stuck around for more than an hour. No, I did not blow my professors. Most of them are women this semester anyway, so dash. Connor sucked in air like he'd stumbled on just the right video on his favorite porn site. Oh, hot. Mac replied flatly. I swear, 
I don't care how long it took you to get here. I will toss that duffel bag right out the door. Connor laughed. No, but seriously, can I crash here for a while? I really want to see the city anyway, so... Mac tapped her fingers on the door frame and took a long moment before she answered. She squinted her eyes as she studied him with deep suspicion. Okay. But ground rules first. No grabbing my ass. No fondling my boobs or snapping my bra strap. No surprising me in the shower. And if I catch you sniffing my underwear dash, when they're on or off? Before Mac could yell at him, Connor laughed. Okay, okay, sorry. Rules accepted. Now, I haven't had anything to eat all day except beef jerky and shitty airline food, and I'm a werewolf. So, where's the nearest place that serves ribs? I can't afford to eat out. I have some ramen dash, no worries. My parents gave me spending money. It'll be my treat. Mac hesitated. Not counting cafeterias or fast food, she had not eaten out in a real restaurant in a long time. This is not a date. Connor put his hands up in surrender and grinned. Not a date. Mac and Connor spent the next week hanging out during her free time. He never pressured her for anything, never brought up old business, just talked and hung out. Truthfully, he seemed more excited to explore a new place than to see her, which was fine. She strongly suspected someone had sent him down to check on her, but he never brought it up and she never pressed the subject. Doing so would mean bringing up the whole issue of marriage and both of them knew where that subject lead. That Friday, Connor insisted they dress up and go out. He surprised her by pulling a pair of dark slacks, a white shirt, a belt, and a tie out of his duffel bag. Feeling in a certain mood, she slipped into a short floral dress with a flirty little skirt and thin shoulder straps. She also insisted, very seriously, this was still not a date. Connor agreed. They enjoyed a beautifully prepared meal in a romantic little Italian place but Mackenzie wouldn't have guessed that from the way her dinner companion behaved. Mac would never have told him this, but the way he ate reminded her of an overexcited family dog. She watched in awe and amusement as Connor spooned up large helpings of gelato and sucked them down. Oh my god, why is this so much better than regular ice cream? He blurted out. He'd already finished a plate of spaghetti and meatballs and an entire basket of garlic bread by himself, and now she would have to duel him with her spoon if she wanted any more of the dessert. Mac dug in and helped herself to a large spoonful, then closed her eyes as she took her time to savor the rich vanilla. It had been a while since she'd had a treat like this. Connor stopped moving as his gaze locked on her mouth. His lips parted as he watched her lick the thick white cream off with her pink tongue. Red-headed, pale, freckled girls who suck their spoons clean would now be one of his many weaknesses. He set his own utensil down. You know, Mackie, there's a reason I came all the way down here, he said, his voice soft and full of meaning. Oh no. Here it comes. Mac listened, but also helped herself to another spoonful of gelato. I have something very important to tell you. Connor gently took the spoon from her hand and laid it down. He clasped both of her hands adoringly in his O-W-N-N-O. No, 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 no. Mac didn't fight his attempt to hold her hands, but pressed her lips together and braced herself. I wanna bang you so hard. Connor held his deadpan expression expertly as he dropped the punchline. Mac sputtered, laughing. Connor laughed too. I mean it. I've been so good all week, just watching you walk around your apartment in thin t-shirts and no bra and all I can think about is how easy it would be to yank down your yoga pants and ram it in. I want to bend you over this table right now and... He let go of her hands and started rudely gesturing, slamming his hands together. He punctuated each slap with UNF 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 sound effects, 
Mac grabbed his hands and shushed him while still trying not to laugh too loudly. She blushed outrageously. Oh my god! We're in a nice restaurant. Please stop. Connor giggled and switched to a whisper. I'm so serious. I just wanna, like, watch your breasts bounce while I pound you. Uncle Giles told me about this one trick where you rub the girl's clit while Y dash. Mac cut him off with harsh a whisper of her own. You. Are. The. Worst. And you never paid attention to my clit when we were together. I don't even think you could find it with both hands and a headlamp. You wanna try me? I've picked up a few moves. Connor asked with a smirk and a raised eyebrow. Mac blushed again. She pressed her lips together and breathed through her nose. Should she? On the one hand, it was a really bad idea. On the other, it was an even worse idea. I, in spite of the fact that their families expected her to someday submit to him as his mate, she knew there was no hope for a future with Connor. But he was cute. He had a nicely muscular chest and dark hair that swept his eyes. And she hadn't had sex since, well, since that one guy she hooked up with after she walked in on Connor getting head from some girl at a party two years ago. The only way I'm fucking you is with a condom. Connor's face immediately brightened. Was that the only catch? Okay. Connor paid for dinner and they quickly left the restaurant, both of them feeling a little flushed and heady with anticipation. Once on the sidewalk, Connor's hand slipped down to give her ass a little squeeze through her thin sundress. Mac giggled, too wrapped up in themselves, they never even noticed they were being stalked. Two days later, Mac and Connor stumbled out of the urine-stained stairwell and onto the second floor of the parking garage. Their laughter echoed through the structure, vibrating across the mostly empty floor. It was 12.30 a.m. and Mac's car was only one of a handful still waiting for their owners. One of the fluorescent light fixtures flickered as they passed it. Oh man. That scene with the pitchfork was the best. Connor laughed. He mimed his eyeballs being impaled and made a gross squelching noise. Mac cringed and laughed. Oh my god, no. Face it, there was nothing redeeming about that movie at all. It wasn't even so bad it's good. It was just bad. If we go to the movies again before you head back, I get to pick something cute and funny because I hate going home all creeped out. But I'm with you, Mackie. Your big, scary werewolf will protect you. Connor teased. He slipped his hands around her waist and pulled her close with clear intent. Sure. Did you hear that? Mac's whole body tensed. A shuffling noise echoed through their level, accompanied by something she couldn't quite place. Air movement? Breathing? She strained to hear the odd sound again. Connor glanced up. Probably some homeless dash, see? It's that stupid movie making me all jumpy. Let's get out of here. Mac was already moving toward her beat-up sedan as she dug for the keys in her purse. She glanced up when she realized Connor wasn't following. He stood about ten feet back, sniffing the air, nostrils twitching. Connor? Get in the car. There was no trace of humor about him now. He stood with feet apart and his posture low and balanced, preparing himself. Mac, startled by the sudden change in his mood, stared at him. What? I mean it. Go. Now. Mac turned in the direction of her car but what she saw made her blood freeze. A massive, snarling beast bounded straight for her as another flanked them from the side, where it had hidden behind a pillar. She wanted to flee but Tara kept her rooted to the floor. Another terrible roar came from behind. Something huge with black fur shoved her aside as it flew past, knocking her to the ground. It was only when she saw the remnants of Connor's clothing dangling from its limbs that she realized who the eight-foot beast was. 
It was one thing to know this truth about Connor his status was why their families gave him the right to one day claim her as mate, but she'd never seen him like this before. Until this moment she'd only known werewolves in human form, never fully transformed. Shifting was a painful, dangerous process, not without consequences. Changing form was not something one did on a whim. Mac regained her wits just enough to scramble behind her car just as Connor dealt a solid backhand to the first attacker. The whole car shook as the wolf collided with the other side. She covered her head with her hands and buried her face in her knees, but she couldn't shut out the sounds of battle. Violence surrounded her, smashed glass, enraged growls, the solid snaps of massive jaws, the wet sound of flesh being torn, and then the awful, final whine of a fatally injured canid. The noise stopped but Max stayed still, shaking all over. She was aware of tears burning her eyes but all she felt was stark fear. She didn't know how long she remained unmoving in that spot. Five minutes? Half an hour? Eventually, she unfolded her aching limbs and crawled, trembling, on all fours to witness the aftermath. Connor? She whispered. Connor? His body lay sprawled in a pool of blood. So much blood. His form, human again, was mangled by deep, angry gashes. His head tilted at an impossible angle. Mac crawled toward him, sobbing. She gently lifted his head which moved far too easily and rested it on her lap. She used her finger to trace matted hair off of his forehead. With her vision blurred by tears, she looked up and around the empty garage. Help, please, someone. Her quavering voice was far too weak to carry. Mackenzie still felt the need to cry she should cry for him. She wanted to cry but the tears wouldn't come. She was too spent, too tired, too numb. She was an empty husk and it felt like she would simply remain this way. She waited in a hospital visitor's room, her clothes still covered in his blood. She curled herself protectively into a padded chair that was not actually designed to let the occupant rest. The blanket police had given her draped over the seat next to her. It was well after three in the morning, but the fluorescent glare of institutional lights kept her from falling asleep sitting up. Violent flashes of fur, fangs, and claws invaded her thoughts. A an orderly passed by the entrance to the waiting room and did a double take when he spotted her. Mac belatedly realized how alarming she must look. Blood splattered her white blouse and pale jeans. A large red spot on her right leg still marked where she had cradled Connor's head until the paramedics arrived not that there was a chance anyone could have saved him. Mac had been Connor's betrothed but they were never in love. Their few months of real dating had just been to make her family happy. For someone who was part wolf, he certainly didn't seem to have any instinct to mate for life. Connor loved girls, loved life and loved himself more than anything else. And yet, he was such a dork sometimes she couldn't really hate him. He was like his jokes, gross and idiotic, but they made her laugh. It was only now that she wondered if anyone else was a closer friend to her. It took her a moment to realize she wouldn't hear him laugh again. Ms. Innes? The arrival of a nurse in blue scrubs interrupted her morbid thoughts. The nurse knelt down next to her chair and spoke quietly. I'm sorry you've had to wait for so long. It's been a busy night in the emergency room. If you can hang on just a little while longer, one of the police officers will be back soon. Okay, Mac answered. In her dazed state, she wondered why she needed more police. She'd already told them everything she could. She reminded herself of the details she'd made up. Wild dogs. No, she didn't see where they went. She wished she could tell them not to worry about it, that werewolves were just territorial like that. There was nothing to be done about Connor's death. Nothing to investigate, no feral animals to track. Connor's pack would make sure justice was carried out. But that conversation would start with yes, 
Werewolves are real and end with her in a mental facility. Mac never expected Connor to follow her all the way from their little hometown in Alaska. She hadn't expected him to show up at her front door in the middle of the semester. She didn't think he'd even wanted her as a mate after the way she blew up at him in front of the whole family and declared she would have nothing to do with their outdated practice of arranged marriages. And she certainly didn't expect to run into other werewolves, ones who were not as friendly as the ones she knew back home. And now Connor was dead. Because of her, she cursed herself for how stupid she'd been. She should have expected this. She should have prepared herself. Her parents had warned her others were out there. As a descendant of one of the old bloodlines, but not a wolf herself, she was more likely to produce a werewolf when mated to one. Mac thought the part about giving off pheromones when she was ready to mate was bullshit, but she knew about this commonly held belief among her kind. She just chose to disregard it. She considered herself a scientist, and there was no science to back up such a wild claim. Besides, she thought the chances of running into werewolves beyond the ones she'd already knew were incredibly low. There were maybe 2,000 werewolves in the entire country. What were the odds even one would randomly find her, and yet the others had found her easily? Now she was out of tears and out of options. Connor's family would need to be informed. She couldn't think clearly. She couldn't process what she needed to do and in which order. She definitely couldn't stay in this city anymore, not without the protection of a pack, especially if there were others allied with the ones she'd encountered tonight. She didn't even have enough money to leave on her own. Mac pulled her flip phone of her purse. Her call took a few attempts before it went through. Mom? It took Mackenzie several sluggish moments before her new reality registered. The unreal, disorienting feeling of waking up in her own childhood bed, back in her parents' home, made it so easy to believe that the gruesome ending to her year out of state had just been a bad dream. She laid still a little while longer, trying to hold on to that version of reality. The police officer at the hospital turned out to be exactly what she needed. The woman spoke to her for a while, talked to her parents by phone and explained everything that Mac couldn't then took her by her apartment to change and gather up a few things. The officer left her at the airport when she was sure she had a seat on the next flight to Anchorage and safely in the terminal. Mac tried to recall the woman's name and couldn't. She had her card somewhere in her bag. Mac looked at her old alarm clock. 7.32. Late for homeroom. The sounds of a conversation downstairs reached her ears. It sounded serious but she couldn't make out the words. They probably didn't intend to wake her. Mac remained flat on her stomach, staring at an interesting pattern of plaster on the wall. She should be crying, she thought. Wasn't that what you were supposed to do when people died? Why couldn't she cry? Mac decided she couldn't stay in this room any longer, looking at the same four walls that had been both prison and refuge her whole life. She put on a pair of slippers and went downstairs in her pajamas. Mackenzie stood in the doorway before entering the kitchen. Her mother sat at the table with a cup of coffee, already perfectly put together in a tasteful green dress and not a hair out of place in her blonde bob. She looked tired but hid it well. Her father stood a little behind her. He was dressed for work, but his graying red hair was rumpled and his eyes were red and puffy. Even with a smart tie and blazer, he looked less put together than his wife. Point two others had joined them. One was Connor's father, Robert, who looked like an older, shorter, mustache version of his deceased son. Both of them had the same dark hair and eyes. Then there was Robert's brother-in-law, Giles. He leaned back against the kitchen counter, muscular arms folded over his hard chest. His presence in the house was comforting and familiar to her. Giles had been a part of the family since before she was born. Since he lived in a dry cabin by himself, 
he used his friend's house for showers or laundry. He spent most weekends with her father, drinking beer or fishing. Giles' rough appearance would have looked more at home in a roadside bar or out in the wild than in a neatly kept middle-class kitchen. As the only werewolf present, and his family's alpha, he effortlessly dominated the room without intending to. His height alone made him stand out. He was at least a head taller than everyone else, with a powerful build to match. His wavy brown hair showed faint silver threads on the sides and the back was pulled into a short, messy ponytail. His brooding gaze remained focused on the floor some distance away. He rubbed his stubbled jaw as he listened to the other speak, Robert paced. It seems pretty clear to me, Dash. The conversation stopped. Everyone looked at her. Giles spotted Mackenzie first. He lifted his chin, his eyes showing concern, and his stance softened slightly. Her mother got up and wrapped a comforting arm around her shoulders. Kenzie! You should be sleeping. I'm sorry if we woke you. Can I make you anything? I was just going to get some cereal. Mac answered. She barely moved her mouth as she spoke. Words were still hard to use right now. She let her mom hug her, and she appreciated it, but she only leaned in. If she hadn't been so hungry, she would have left the room and avoided everyone. But she had skipped food in the airport and on the plane so the last time she'd eaten anything was at the movies with Connor. As she moved to the fridge, she kept her gaze focused on objects, not people. Her father broke the awkward silence. Well, we'll have to call a meeting anyway. We'll figure it out. There's nothing to figure out, Carson. We round up everyone who can fight, go down there, and finish this. Robert's voice had an edge of anger to it. I really shouldn't be here right now, Mac thought. Where she was supposed to be, she didn't know. She kept herself quietly busy and as small as possible by searching for a spoon. Giles's deep voice interjected. We still don't know all the details. He addressed Mackenzie directly, using a softer tone. Max, when you're feeling up to it, I need to talk to you. The sooner the better. Max was his name for her. She'd known Giles her whole life, but as far back as she could remember, he had never called her by her actual name. He used lots of names for her, Mac, Mackie. Ken's, Kenny, Zizi, Girly, Sport, Freckles. Somehow Max had stuck. Sure, she answered. She caught Robert's piercing stare directed at her dot and no one said anything. Her mother broke the silence this time. Well, it sounds like all of you have important calls to make. Robert, I'll stop by in a little bit to see Laura. I don't want her to be alone right now. Robert broke his hard gaze on Mac and looked at her mother. Thanks, Andrea. I'm sure she'd appreciate the company. He turned to Giles. Coming? Giles shook his head. He was studying Mackenzie. I think I'll stick around for a bit. Okay, Max? He raised a questioning eyebrow at her. She nodded, understanding. Her father approached Robert and put a hand on his shoulder. I'll walk you to the car. Mackenzie ate in silence at the kitchen table while the world just sort of happened around her. Her mother and Giles had gone off to talk outside, no doubt conferring with her father over what to do. Her father had come in for a minute and explained that that he still needed to stop by his law office. He hugged her once and gave her a kiss on top of her head before he left. Her mother, worried about her only child and daughter, finally allowed Giles to convince her it was okay to leave and go take care of Connor's mother. Giles, meanwhile, was a sturdy rock in a turbulent ocean of emotion. He calmly made a fresh pot of coffee and waited for Andrea to leave. Once her mother was gone, Giles set a cup of coffee down in front of Mac extra milk, sugar, and took one for himself, black. He turned one of the chairs around at the kitchen table and straddled it, leaning forward with his arms resting on the back. So, 
Mac didn't know how to begin. She stared into her empty cereal bowl. Giles didn't press. He drank his coffee while he waited. Mac looked at her coffee for a while, then took a sip. She wanted to talk. She wanted to scream and yell and curse the whole world for what had been done to Connor, but the words stuck in her throat. I know it's going to be hard to describe what happened, but I have to know. Connor wasn't just my nephew. He was my student, my cub to train. He was my pack. I was responsible for him. It's my duty to see that whoever did this pays for it. There was no judgment, no anger in his tone, just sadness and empathy. Mac finally found her voice. It happened so fast. One minute we were walking to the car and the next, they were right there. How many? Two. This was in a parking garage. Yes. The movie had just ended. What time? About 12.30. And you never saw them earlier in the evening? Or maybe on another day? No. I never noticed anyone watching us, or following us, or anything. Giles frowned and rubbed his rough chin. Surprised Connor didn't. He should have smelled them long before they attacked. He looked back at Mac. Did you get a look at them? Height. Any distinctive patterns on the fur? She hesitated before she answered. I think one was gray with a white patch on the chest. The other was brown and gray. That one had a patchy pattern on the face. Male or female? Mackenzie shrugged helplessly. I couldn't tell. Giles nodded. It wasn't obvious to most people. He would have known immediately by scent and by size, sometimes by build. Fur mostly hid the genitals. And often, the shape of a human breast vanished as the ribcage filled out and thick fur grew over them. Was one taller than the other? I don't know. They moved so fast. Max stammered. She took a gasping breath. I hid. She answered, getting her words out between choked sobs. I hid behind the car. I didn't even watch. I should have done something. I could have tried to distract them or got them to chase me or... I don't know. Why didn't I do anything? I always thought if something happened I would fight, but I just froze. I sat there on the ground and covered my head while they killed him. Tears flowed openly from her blue-green eyes now. She was shaking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Giles' expression shifted into deep sympathy. He reached across to her and caressed the back of her head. With his other hand, he took one of hers and just held on. Very softly, he said. There's nothing you could have done. Werewolves are extraordinarily hard to kill. I know. He said this, not with pride, but grim certainty. Now they had both been witness to bloody combat. Even a handgun wouldn't have helped. Just think about Connor and be proud of him. All we can do now is honor his memory. He died saving my life. She whispered, just now realizing that fact for the first time. Mac looked up and was surprised to find that his eyes were wet too, intensifying their bright gold color. She couldn't remember if she'd ever seen him cry before. In spite of his intimidating appearance, anyone who knew Giles knew how unserious he was. Usually, he was the one with the infectious laugh and an easy grin on his face. It was a powerful thing to see such a huge man so deeply wounded, and yet not thinking of himself. She felt it made him look even stronger. He gave her some time. When they were both ready, he asked, Why did they leave you behind? Do you think they could have been hurt? Mackenzie thought carefully. She squinted, remembering. Yeah. After the fighting was over, I remember a kind of wheezing. Not like normal breathing at all. Like wet. I heard grunting noises. Kind of like how dogs talk to people. Sorry, I don't mean dash. Giles smirked. It's fine. 
Did you hear them leave? Running, maybe? Could you tell if it was two feet or four? No, it was more like shuffling or staggering. She blinked. Wait. There were footprints, tracks in the blood, I mean. Human? Wolf? Both. Describe them. How far apart? There were a lot close together. The tracks didn't go far. Giles didn't speak. He frowned, putting the scene together in his head. After a minute of focused silence, he rose from the table. Okay. I think I have enough to start. Max, what's the number for your cell? I may need to contact you if I think of anything else to ask. She got up from the table, went over to the bill organizer on the kitchen counter, and wrote the number down on a piece of paper. Thanks, Angel. Giles tucked the paper into the pocket on his flannel shirt. I'd give you mine, just in case you needed to talk, but I still don't have a phone. No point seeing as how most of my time is spent out in the middle of nowhere. It's okay. On impulse, Mac wrapped her arms around him and held on tight. She buried her face into his chest. He felt so warm, so comforting. Thank you? Giles just held her. He bent over slightly so that he could lay his cheek against the top of her head. When he sensed she was ready, he said, I would stay and watch over you, but I've got to move fast. If these assholes are injured, they'll be easier to identify, and werewolves heal quickly. I understand. He stepped back and gave her hand a squeeze before heading out. Chin up, Max. You're tougher than you know. He said it with such confidence that she could almost believe it. This story, Wolf's Girl, was only posted to literatica.com. If you find it anywhere else, please contact the author on that site or on Twitter at Olivia with Connor's funeral was scheduled for the following Sunday. The medical examiner in California, at a loss to explain the injuries any other way, had accepted the explanation of wild dogs. It set off a search for the missing pack and the story made the local news. Giles, and three other pack members who accompanied him down to Los Angeles, would bring the body back on Friday. Mackenzie hadn't heard anything about Giles' investigation. He'd called her once, in the middle of the week, to confirm a few details, but he didn't provide many of his own. He stayed on the phone as long as he could and asked how she was doing. Hearing his reassuring voice again made her feel warm inside. While they waited for everyone to return, Mac patiently endured two conversations in which she assured her mother that, no, there was no chance she was pregnant. Mac dodged the more invasive questions about her sex life with Connor, choosing to let her mother believe she never slept with him during his last visit. It was easier than then trying to explain that she had always been very careful about using condoms and Connor had enthusiastically honored her request. Mac thought some werewolf kin, like her mother, could be worse than Catholics when it came to the subject of contraception. She knew what her mother hoped for that her wayward daughter would redeem the family honor with an unplanned, but fortuitous, pregnancy. The pack would deal better with the loss of their up-and-coming star quarterback if the girl who was supposed to marry him had come home with his child. Her father seemed bothered by something that week, perhaps work-related. He was the least emotional person in the household, making it difficult for Mac to know what he was thinking. He did try, a few times, to console her in his own way which mostly meant trying to distract her with offers to play cards or watch TV, none of which Mac really felt like doing. She appreciated the effort she just couldn't. Not yet. Sunday came and the entire village turned out for Connor's funeral. It was a closed casket service. Mackenzie sat between her parents, all of them wearing funereal black purchased for the occasion. Mackenzie wore a prim, knee-length dress and had her hair up in a French braid. During the eulogy, she studied the portrait of Connor framed by a wreath. 
she recognized it from a professional photo taken for his senior pictures. He was smiling in that lopsided way of his, as though he was sharing a joke with the viewer. She thought it captured him pretty well. Mackenzie wondered if life with him would have been so terrible. If she could rewind, would she still trade his life for her freedom? Right now, with his casket not twenty feet away, she couldn't imagine she would. Max tried not to think about the fact that she was probably the only person present who knew what Connor's body looked like inside that casket. Connor's family sat on the opposite side of the church. His two elementary-aged siblings clung to their mother. Their faces showed mournful confusion. Connor's mother looked like an absolutely broken woman. Ordinarily very pretty, her eyes and nose were red from crying, and her shoulders hunched over. After the funeral, Mac walked in silence behind her parents. Her father had an arm around her mother's shoulders. Her mother was crying silently and dabbing her eyes with a tissue. What are you doing here? The loud, clear voice came from somewhere behind her. It was jarring, hearing it cut above the low conversations and relative silence of the cemetery. Mackenzie looked around, curious. What are you doing here? It was Laura, Connor's mother. Mac blinked in surprise as she realized the accusing question was directed at her. I don't understand. Why would you come here? The words were pleading, full of heartache. Mackenzie realized everyone had turned to look at her. I asked you a question, Laura continued. Her husband tried to draw her away, but she shrugged his hand off. Why are you here? Mackenzie looked at her parents and back at Laura. I just came to pay my respects, Dash. How dare you? Laura took a few staggering steps closer, but kept a good distance between them. How dare you come here when you rejected him? My son wasn't good enough for you. It was all set. We finally had the chance to bring our families together. Everything would have been perfect. And then you got it into your stupid little head that you didn't need him. You have ruined everyone's lives. My son would be alive today if you hadn't run off. Mac didn't know what to say. She kept looking at all the faces staring back at her, some with pity, some sharing Laura's contempt. I dash, you didn't even stay to bring back his body. You just flitted home and abandoned him. His body was left alone in a strange city for almost a week. You left him. Again. So why would you bother to show up here today? Mackenzie felt herself starting to cry, so she turned and ran in the direction of her parents' car. She heard them talking, arguing without trying to further upset the grieving mother, but she didn't stop to listen to what anyone was saying. She only heard Laura's voice above the others, aimed straight at her. You killed my son! Later that night, Giles stopped by to visit. He and Carson sat in their favorite spot behind the house. Everyone called it the backyard, but it was really several acres that bordered a forested area, with a view of mountains in the distance. Giles and Carson shared a few beers and talked about nothing in particular. Her mother joined them with a glass of chilled vodka. Gonna be a warm summer, her father remarked. Yeah, mosquitoes are getting bad, Giles answered. Yup. I'm starting to feel the need to hunt soon. My kind of hunting or yours? Carson asked. Mine. Hmm. Well, if you change your mind, I could stand to get away for a day or so. Max sat out there with them, off to one side in the covered swing. She was physically present, anyway. She said nothing, just listened to them talk. In the moments when silence fell, she listened to the night sounds. She examined the profiles of her father and Giles and wondered about their history together. She knew they had been childhood friends, and her father had represented Giles in a couple of court cases, but she suspected there was more to their story, some shared trauma that forged a bond between them. 
They acted like men who'd lived on the same battlefields. She suspected she'd never know what it was. Neither man was the sharing type. And then there were the family histories, something about their grandfather's or great-grandfather's bloody rivalry, and so on back through history. She thought about asking her mother about it sometime, but she suspected that she didn't know the full story either. Eventually, Mac went inside without a word. She stood in the kitchen and braced herself on the counter. What was she going to do? Everyone hated her. Her own family hadn't even said anything to her when they got in the car. Their conversations with her and each other for the rest of the day were limited to simple mundanities. She heard heavy, booted footsteps coming down the hallway that could only belong to Giles. He stopped in the kitchen when he saw her. Hey, Squirt. I'm heading out. He hesitated. You gonna be okay? Yeah. Giles frowned. Listen, don't worry about what my sister said today. She's just upset. It's not about you. But it's true, isn't it? If I hadn't left, Connor wouldn't have followed me. He'd be alive. Mac looked up and met his gaze. The hollow look in her eyes pained him. She was too young for this. Besides, she wasn't the one who should take the blame. It wasn't your fault, Max. The girl just shrugged one shoulder. Giles looked closely at her expression. Was Max capable of hurting herself? He briefly reconsidered taking Robert up on his offer to crash for the night on the sofa bed. But surely she had both of her parents here to keep an eye on her? He laid a strong hand on her shoulder. I'll be back in a few days. If you need someone to talk to then, we can. She didn't look at him. She couldn't shake the image of Connor's bloody, mangled face. Giles, what happened in L.A.? Did you find them? Giles frowned and adjusted his stance. He put his hands on his hips. Yeah, we found them. Seems like Connor did manage to kill one. The local pack disavowed them. Said they were rogue? Outsiders. I'm not so sure, but I'd rather let them tell that story than start a war. Good. No one else should die. And the one who survived? Justice was served. Giles answered in a tone that said don't ask. Mac nodded. At least there was that small comfort. Oh, before I forget. Giles reached for the wallet in his back pocket and pulled out several bills. I sold your car. It's not much but that thing was a real rust heap and I had no way to get it back here. Hang on to this and I'll help you find something next week. My signature dash forged it. Hope that was okay. And I closed out your apartment. I brought your stuff back, just what I could fit in checked baggage. I left the box over there in the hall. I couldn't do anything about the furniture. It's okay. It was just junk I picked up. He'd always been like a second father to her, but his kindness toward her while she was in this state was almost too much for her to take. Mackenzie fought back a torrent of tears that threatened to break free. Her gratefulness toward him absolutely overflowed and she didn't know how to tell him how much his actions meant. She looked through the bills in her hand in disbelief. Thank you? I don't even know what to say. You didn't have to do any of this. Nah. He ruffled her hair. I couldn't leave my favorite freckle face in a bind. You're amazing. Giles smiled and the faint wrinkles around his eyes crinkled up. You're pretty amazing too. He turned to leave, calling back over his shoulder. Car shopping. Next week. True to his word, Giles took her out on Wednesday to find a new vehicle, new being a relative term. The one they settled on was an old truck with a lot of miles, but the tires would good and it would see her through harsher weather. She gave the seller the $700 Giles had given her for her old car, and with Giles' help, signed for the rest. 
When she did, she realized too late that there was no way her old junk heap had sold for that much money. Yet another thing she owed him for dot he was too good. So, Giles said as he patted the hood, it's not too bad. Your dad and I can find some new parts, work on it a bit. Like it? I love it. Thank you. What's next, Freckles? I'll have to find a job, I guess, maybe at the parks or the resort. Beyond that, I don't know. Giles smiled. Well, you could always help me manage private lands, but honestly, the work is boring and I pay in shed antlers. Mac grinned back. That's bullshit. You just like being alone. Ha. Caught. The next month and a half passed without incident but also without progress. There were no job prospects in town she would have to go much farther, into the tourist areas, if she wanted work. Her father gave her that month's payment for the truck. She did wonder, from time to time, if killing herself was what she was supposed to do. She didn't want to die. She just didn't know how to live with the status quo. The look she got from people in town that she didn't even know, all the whispering when she passed, it was too much. And the bits of conversation she overheard from her parents went from what to do for her to what to do about her. Something had to break. Mac wanted to do the right thing. She really did. She just had no idea what that was. The 4th of July came. Normally this would have been one of the heights of the Innes family's social calendar. Her mother loved playing hostess. Every year, friends and family packed themselves into the back of their house and enjoyed a big barbecue. This year, the crowd was noticeably thinner and the leftover food would last them for days. Conspicuously absent were Connor's family. She had avoided the subject with her mother, so she didn't know what, if anything, had happened beyond the words exchanged at the funeral. Hope you didn't start the party without me. A familiar voice boomed out over the music. Giles went over and shared a hug with Carson, and for an all-too-brief, shining moment, it was like this time last year. Andrea hugged him too, looking grateful. Mac remained in her favorite corner on the covered swing and watched. She'd made an effort to clean herself up and be present, for her family's sake, but all she really wanted was to slink back into her room and hide. The arrival of Giles mitigated that feeling somewhat dot and no one was talking to her. Not that she blamed them. She wouldn't have talked to her. She was the youngest adult present by several years. She was content to observe the small crowd, which seemed to mostly consist of her father's co-workers. That was fine with her, though. Trying to make light conversation was still beyond her abilities. Her gaze eventually drifted back to Giles, who was deep in conversation with her father and a couple of guys. It was the first time she'd really seen him laugh since Connor's death. He looked like his old self again. Seeing him smile made her want to smile too. Mac, if pressed, would have named Giles as the best-looking man present by far. Just objectively speaking. It wasn't just his intensity or his size. More than once, she'd thought the brooding gentleness in his eyes and his square, stubble jaw would have been well-suited to the pages of a pin-up calendar. Even his long nose, broken and reset, added to his looks rather than detracted from them. His eyes shone with a fierce brightness. He always marked Hazel on government forms, but they looked bright gold when the sunlight hit them just right. She felt they enhanced his already primal, animalistic appeal. Giles caught her staring. He sat in a folding chair, leaning forward with his elbows on his knees, long neck beer suspended by two fingers between his legs. He returned her look with a lingering one of his own, followed by a dimpled grin and a wink. He smoothly picked up the conversation again without interruption. No one else seemed to have noticed the exchange. Mac felt a warm flutter in her chest. Feeling slightly flushed, she hid her excitement, calmly rose from her spot, 
and quietly exited the party. Mac went upstairs and shut the door to her room behind her. What just happened? Mac wasn't so naive that she thought Giles was hitting on her, but it felt really good all the same. Why couldn't she find someone like him? Warm, steady, sexy as hell. Several thoughts bubbled up all at once. Suddenly, she knew. Giles. Giles was the answer to everything. She needed to show her good intentions toward the pack. She needed to show she meant well, that she was a productive member. She needed to make amends with his family and return honor to her own. Most people still remembered her from her very public tirade at the pack meeting where she was supposed to have agreed to the arrangement between Connor's family and hers. They didn't know the whole story. They didn't know how much she'd cared about Connor as a friend. They didn't know how dearly she just wanted to make everything right again, but Giles. Giles had no mate of his own. She didn't know why, just that he never had one. As far as she knew, he never even had a steady girlfriend. Wait, was he asexual? Gay? Mac tried to think no. A few years ago she overheard Giles talking to her father about a cocktail waitress he was seeing. The conversation had definitely not been meant for her ears. And he'd apparently given Connor a few tips for the bedroom, one of which she'd enjoyed very much. So, Giles enjoyed women? Why didn't he have anyone? If she was Giles' mate, especially if she gave him children, that would fix everything. It didn't have to be a love match. She knew he cared about her, and that was enough. But could she do it? Her and Giles? The idea started a few pleasantly tipsy butterflies in her stomach as she recalled the times she'd caught him coming out of the shower in nothing but a towel. She could feel herself getting warm and wet at the thought already. Mac tempered her fresh, excited feelings with a reality check. They'd never go for it. Not her family, not Giles. She couldn't just bring this idea up over Sunday dinner. Everyone would be embarrassed at the suggestion and things would be awkward forever. No, she'd need a plan. First, she had to know if Giles could even be attracted to her. Even if he was, he'd deny it, of course. Maybe if she convinced him her attraction to him was real, maybe she could just show up at his cabin. Giles turned his truck onto the dirt road that traversed the low incline to his part of the woods. There was nothing but his cabin at the end, hidden among the trees. It was a quiet, serene place. Perfect for hunting on all fours, if he ever felt the need. It also wasn't too far from some good fishing spots. As he came in sight of his cabin, he noticed Mackenzie's truck parked in front. She sat on the log bench on his front porch, looking at the ground until she heard his truck approaching. She wore a serious, introspective expression. He thought he detected nervousness. The look worried him, but Giles put on his usual, affable smile as he hopped out of his vehicle. Max? What are you doing all the way out here? She didn't say anything at first, just looked at him. Just need to talk. Is it okay that I'm here? She asked. Of course. You're always welcome. You know that. It was odd that she would come out all this way by herself she'd only visited before with her family, but he sensed something was deeply wrong. He nodded toward the door. Hope you weren't waiting long. You could have gone inside, helped yourself to a drink or something. Mackenzie followed him in. It's okay. It's kind of nice out today. She felt her breathing pick up a little. They were alone, just the two of them, in a remote cabin. She was suddenly aware of his intense masculinity, his height, the size of his muscles, the faint, musky scent of his sweat. She was, at once, both drawn to him and terrified. No matter his reaction, it would change their relationship forever. Was she really going through with this? The interior of the cabin matched the occupant, rough around the edges, in need of daily care, 
but comforting. The whole place smelled pleasantly of the cedar used for the walls. It had just two rooms, a living area and a bedroom. The kitchen was just a single counter and a sink with a bucket underneath. Nearby, open shelves served as a pantry. There was no toilet or bathroom inside. Any washing up had to be done at the sink, and for everything else, there was an outhouse. Giles reached into an electric cooler and pulled out a beer for himself. For her, he held out a can of soda. She shook her head, murmuring a thanks. He put it back. Giles popped off the cap to his beer, took a long drink, and set it aside. How's the job hunt? Anything? Max shook her head again. Nothing yet. I'm still volunteering at the parks. They'll let me know if something opens up. That's good. Glad you're getting out of the house. Mac just nodded. She studied the pattern stamped into her battered cowboy boots. She took a while to work up the courage to say something, but Giles didn't interrupt. He knew she had something important on her mind, and he let her find her voice on her own. Giles, do you think I'm pretty? His forehead wrinkled in concern. Of course, Max. You're a gorgeous girl. He shook his head in confusion. Why are you asking? That's how parents reassure their children. I really need to know, Giles. Do you think I'm attractive? She couldn't hide the worry in the way she asked it. What if he didn't like her? Her whole plan would fall apart. She looked up at him without moving her head. Her blue-green eyes gazed nervously back at him through her lowered lashes. Giles was not oblivious to the vulnerable sensuality hinted at in her look. He noticed that she was actually wearing a little bit of makeup today, which was unusual. She truly was beautiful. She had a pert little nose under a scattering of freckles, a small, rose-petal pink mouth, and those large, lovely blue-green eyes. And her body he shifted his weight to the other foot and cleared his throat. Unsure of where she was going with this, he addressed her very directly. Max, you are extremely beautiful. You don't need to worry about that. He felt his heart skip a beat at those words. He rubbed the back of his neck. What's this all about? Mac watched him carefully as he gave his answer. Wait, he was nervous. Why would he be nervous unless some part of him responded to her? With her heart racing, she swallowed once and approached him. She stood close, too close to be merely friendly, and put a hand on his chest. He didn't move. His face showed confusion, and just a flicker of want hidden underneath. She could feel his heart thumping solidly under her hand. She looked up into his searching eyes, then leaned in and kissed him. It was a sweetly innocent kiss, just her full lips tugging softly against his, but it hinted at deep longing. Giles knew he should move. He was aware when she started to approach that her intent was something less than proper. He wanted to move. Somewhere in the back of his mind he panicked, but it did nothing to help motivate his muscles. Then their lips met. It was a perfect kiss. He wanted it to continue. Max was kissing him, and he liked it. His best friend's daughter was Giles suddenly pulled back and grabbed her very firmly by the upper arms. Max. Stop. Stop. What are you doing? He spoke gently to her, sympathetic, not angry. Max stayed close. She whispered. I need you, Giles. I want you. She leaned in for another kiss. He turned his head slightly and stood straighter, restraining her with a gentle hold on her arms. I'm not in love with you. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry if I gave you that impression. I know. This isn't about love. It did hurt a little to hear him say those words. Maybe she had been secretly hoping for some deeper affection on his part, but she knew what they shared would only be physical. I've never even thought of you like this. He objected. Never. 
Yes, I've noticed you're beautiful. It's hard not to. But I've never looked at you that way, I promise. And I'm not attracted to you now. He knew his words weren't exactly the truth, but it was what she needed to hear. With her arms pinned down, she could still reach the bulge increasing in his jeans. She caressed it. Your body says otherwise. Oh Christ. He felt his cock respond shamefully, eagerly to her touch. With a monumental effort, Giles released her arms and took a step back. Since the space was small, it left him against the counter with nowhere to go. He should run. He should throw her out. Do something. Why wasn't his brain working? Mac gazed into his eyes. She reached up and slowly began undoing the buttons on her gingham shirt, revealing her bra underneath. It was white with little peach polka dots, an absurdly innocent garment for what she was up to, and enhanced her full cleavage. Giles couldn't help but stare. Her breasts looked so soft, so inviting. His eyes were drawn to a delicious little bare spot right between them that was marked with a tiny bow. He'd seen her cleavage before, they'd all gone swimming at the lake a few times, but this was the first time he'd ever seen it. The wolf inside him was fully awake. It wanted him to nose at her, to sniff her neck, and bury his face between her breasts. Mac closed the distance between them and reached for his belt buckle. She smoothly unhooked it and parted the fly on his jeans. Max? Now. Right now. This was the part where he was supposed to put a stop to this. Instead he just watched, fascinated and transfixed, as she reached in for his cock and dropped slowly to her knees. He was completely hard, in spite of himself. She put a finger to her lips. Sure. She stroked up and down the length of his penis. Before he knew what was happening, she had her lips around the head and was running her tongue in circles around it. Fuck. He was going to hell. He had to stop this. He had to. He couldn't let her just keep sucking on, oh God. It had been so long since he'd been with anyone and now, oh dear God, her mouth felt good. Her mouth. Her tongue. Her lips. Max was a great little cocksucker. Something jerked awake in his brain and he yanked himself away from her with a wet pop. He tried, painfully, to stuff himself back into his jeans. Okay, okay. Enough. Max, get up. Get up. She was so surprised by his sudden retreat that she fell back a little. She looked up at him, questioning, with hurt and surprise. Max got to her feet, turned her furiously blushing face away from him. She would not cry. Not now. Max, what is happening? Why this sudden? He couldn't bring himself to describe what just happened in words. I need you. Don't you get it? They all hate me. She pleaded with him now. The pack, the whole town, even the ones who don't know about our kind. My mom lost half her friends. I think my father is losing business. I'm the one who screwed up the peace between our families and got Connor killed. But if I was your mate, if I just gave myself to you. Giles closed his eyes and sighed. He understood. He didn't agree, but he understood. Max, it's a noble thought. But it can't be. It just can't. Why not? She demanded, as one equal to another. It just can't, Max. That's enough. My name is Mackenzie. I am not a little girl anymore. Look at me. She held her shirt open, forcing his gaze to focus on the breasts that threatened to spill out of her brow. Do I look like a child to you? You're only nineteen. Giles huffed, trying to look somewhere other than at those perfect breasts. Yes, I know. I can vote. I can drive. I just spent the last year living on my own and the last thesis I wrote was on management of California deer populations. 
Giles tilted his head. Really? He knew she'd studied, but the point is I'm an adult. I can make my own choices. And now I'm trying to do the right thing. Her eyes pleaded with him. Her mouth, slightly open, begged to be claimed by him. He stared at her, seeing her in this new light. She was so young, yet she was fully a woman. Giles stepped closer and put his hands gently on her shoulders. He looked her in the eyes and spoke softly. Max, I get it. I do. But this, us, it can't happen. He traced a knock on her forehead, moving a loose lock of hair. We'll find you a proper mate, someone your age. You and your family will be fine, I promise. I'll be there to help. I just can't. He trailed off, frowning. Someone her age? When would her choices matter? I don't want some guy I've never met. I want you. You're good to me. You care. And, here she looked down, blushing before she could meet his gaze again. I think you're incredibly hot. I always have. Giles dropped his hands from her, sighed in frustration, and paced to the other side of the room. He put his hands on his hips. Max thought he was hot? Max? The thought of her wanting him, like a woman wants a man, made him flush with embarrassment, but also made his blood pump. Mac watched him, panicked he would suddenly leave. No. She would not let it end like this. He had been turned on by her. He wanted her too. He just needed a little encouragement. I think you might like me too, she said, taking a couple of steps toward the bedroom. She untucked her shirt and unbuttoned it the rest of the way, leaving it on but wide open, showing off her lean midsection and cute little belly button. Max. Giles looked everywhere except at her. I barely touched you and your cock went to full mast. She took another step toward the bedroom, then stopped at the doorway and pulled her boots and socks off. She tossed them aside. Jesus Christ. Will you cut it out? He was looking at her now. He didn't want to, but he was. A nubal redhead was stripping off her clothes right in front of him. He couldn't help but watch. Your father would murder me. Mac unbuttoned her jeans and pushed them over her hips, leaving her white, lacy panties on. She pushed her jeans down and kicked them off. Giles watched helplessly. He thought about picking her up and throwing her back into her truck, but that would mean putting his hands all over that bare skin and as soon as his thoughts went there, Mac went all the way into his bedroom. She pulled out the hairband that was holding her braid together, shook her hair out and let it tumble free. It settled on her shoulders in loose waves, making her look much more mature than her nineteen years. She moved to the center of the unmade bed and knelt there, milky thighs slightly apart, facing him. You've already had your cock in my mouth. And you enjoyed it. Since my father's going to murder you anyway, you may as well die happy. She bit one fingertip and toyed with it, smiling playfully at him. Giles nervously fought the urge to laugh. He hardened his cheeks and clamped his mouth shut. He pointed at her, warning her to stop. Mac grinned and lay back on the bed. She positioned her herself on her elbows, sitting up enough to be able to watch him. She sucked on the fullness of her lower lip, just one side, and watched for his reaction. Her legs flexed once, together and apart. Giles took a few steps closer. His curiosity built, drawing him to her. He wanted to know what those breasts felt like. He wanted to taste her thighs. He wanted to know what she looked like under those panties. He wanted to feel the moisture in her slit. The wolf in him growled darkly. He felt its appetite growing. He unbuttoned his shirt. Max breathing quickened in anticipation. She watched him undress, feeling the nervousness in the pit of her stomach grow as each new part of his body was revealed to her. He had a fine layer of hair scattered over his broad chest and forearms.
His bedraggled, wavy brown hair hung down to his shoulders and in his eyes. As he stood before her completely nude, she suddenly knew what it must feel like to be the chosen prize of a conquering warlord, or a virginal offering to a powerful, primitive god. He had never seemed more like a wolf to her than he did right now. Somehow, he looked even larger with his clothes off. His cock was bigger than average, yes, but so was the rest of him. His calloused hands seemed monstrously large. She ached to feel them touching her, holding her dot he kept his gaze locked with hers and crawled on to the bed. He laid half atop her, touching his chest to hers and putting one knee solidly between her legs. He slid one hand down her waist and beyond, feeling the gentle curve of her hips, then cupped one ass cheek and squeezed. He supported himself with his other arm and pressed his nose into the crook of her neck. Every move he made was accompanied by protests screaming inside his head. Don't do it. It's wrong. Her body is off limits. He ignored all reason and kissed her neck, alternating wet kisses and bites, working his way up until took her earlobe gently in his teeth and went back down again. His hips ground against her, urgently pressing his hard manhood into her thigh. She tilted her head back and gasped at each little bite, savored each tug of his lips. Her fingertips traced encouraging trails along his back, yet she trembled beneath him. Part of her was aware that the power in the room had shifted, that she may have started something she couldn't stop. He took great care with her but she felt the incredible strength behind his touch. Feeling her shivering under him, Giles stopped his more aggressive attentions. It's not too late to turn back, he whispered. At her word, he would. He may not have been in love with her, but he cared. He would respect her wishes if she changed her mind. I want you so badly, she whispered back. She moved her thigh almost unconsciously, rubbing against his hard shaft. Her hands gripped his waist, pulling him close. She brought her mouth to his and teased him with her tongue. She could feel the moisture increasing between her legs and blood rushing to her most sensitive areas. Her back arched, pressing her into him, encouraging his attentions. Giles threw aside any final objections he may have had and kissed her fully, needfully on the mouth. His tongue pressed inside her lips and sought hers. The moment their tongues connected, he felt a surge of lightning spread from his head, down through his stomach, and lighting up his cock. His wolfish nature took over and he moved fully atop her, bracing himself with his knees between her legs. While they kissed, he tugged her blouse down off her arms. She lifted herself to accommodate his hands helping them slip beneath her to unclasp her brow. He pulled it off, revealing her perfectly pert, rounded breasts. Her pink nipples were already taut, inviting him to suckle, which he did with abandon. Max shut her eyes and gasped as his tongue found a nipple. He drew it into his mouth and hungrily sucked at it, groaning into her flesh, and teased the other one, rolling it in his rough fingertips. She moaned helplessly and breathed out sweet curses of pleasure as she ground her hips against him, demanding satisfaction. She intoxicated him. Her body was perfect. She was perfect. He released her nipples, causing her to cry out in want. He brought his kisses down her chest and stomach until he reached her underwear. He rolled his fingers under the band on each side and tugged them down, ignoring the protests in the back of his mind that he was taking this too far. He was surprised, and yet not, to find her already wet. She moved her legs, helping him pull her panties down her legs. He threw them aside and there it was, her soft, bare cunt already wet with her honey and ready for him. He hesitated only a moment, then reached out to touch it. He brushed two fingertips down the outer labia, which made her squirm and moan in anticipation. His thumb pressed under her clit and circled it, using her natural lubrication to slide his digit around her most sensitive spot. 
he watched her face as she arched her back for him. Then, to her surprise, he lifted her by wrapping a hand under each thigh and pulling her up, so that she was half off the bed with her legs over his shoulders. Unable to contain himself, he buried his face between her legs and licked demandingly at her cunt. Mac could barely stand it. She grabbed the headboard and cried out, needing him to continue but fearing she might lose her mind if this kept up. With her legs braced in his arms and only her shoulders and head on the bed, she had no control over what he was doing to her. Her body writhed needfully as his forceful, hungry tongue sent her into delirium. Giles set her down again before she came to orgasm, causing her to yell incoherently in frustration. He leaned in and placed the tip of his cock at her wet entrance, watching his precum paint her skin and mix with her own fluids. He brushed the tip up and down, desperately wanting to plunge in and yet knowing there was no going back once he did. It was sweet agony, yet he didn't want to stop. Finally, he allowed just the tip to slip inside, perhaps hoping it would sate his body's curiosity, but once he did it was all over. His inner wolf raged and he shoved his cock all the way into the hilt. He grunted loudly, almost roaring. The sound pushed out of his lungs with surprising force. Fuck. Fuck. He was inside her. He was inside her, and it felt so good. It was, at once, relief and tortured, shameful ecstasy that he took so long waiting with his cock right there that Mac worried he wouldn't follow through. Then he slid the tip inside, sending warm shocks through her. She gasped in surprise when he plunged in, filling her so completely and powerfully that he wasted no time. Giles began to thoroughly pound at her, hammering her with his cock. He gripped her ass on one side, pulling her into him with every thrust. He groaned and dipped his head, his mind lost to absolute want. The bed rocked with every movement, threatening to break. Mac wrapped one leg around his. She tried to use her hips in time with his strokes, but he rocked her with his full strength. It was all she could do to just hold on to him. She was no virgin she'd had sex with one other guy besides Connor but both partners had been younger and less experienced. Now, for the first time in her life, she was getting well and truly fucked. His cock felt amazing. Her mind reeled as his member filled her up and hit her inside just right. Right now, she didn't think there could be a better feeling in the entire world. Giles held back the urge to come right away. He wanted to feel her when she climaxed. He wanted to see her face lost in ecstasy because of what he was doing to her, that his cock sent her to new heights of pleasure that he didn't have to wait long. Mac felt that warm, tingling surge of emotion filling her, putting her right on the peak of that roller coaster. Her stomach tensed, her inner muscles tightened around him. Oh God! Giles! Don't stop! Don't stop! Oh, oh my God! Her pleas trailed off into a scream as her whole body shuddered hard in rolling waves of pleasure that he'd almost confessed he couldn't last any longer. But once he felt her pussy spasm around his cock, just in time, it triggered his own orgasm. He unloaded all of his come into her without restraint and groaned deeply in relief. At no time did he stop to think about the consequences of filling her with his seed. He was beyond rational thought. After the tidal wave subsided, he remained inside her, his head sunk down next to hers. He nuzzled her and kissed her neck, then her cheek, then her mouth. She returned his kisses adoringly. They remained like this for a time, forgetting everyone else, forgetting their circumstances, just lost in their own little world that he pulled out slowly. Mac whimpered at the loss. Giles rolled to one side. They laid on the bed next to one another, just breathing and letting their eyes half close. They stayed this way for a long while, not moving, not talking. She could feel the mixture of his cum and her moisture dripping out of her. She didn't want to move. Giles reached for her hand and held on.
Mac squeezed his in return. Finally, Mac turned on one side, laid her head on the pillow, and looked at him. He seemed uncertain, afraid, and yet calm. She slowly shifted closer and kissed him on the cheek, then laid her head on his chest. He moved his arms so that she could snuggle in. He stroked her hair and pressed his mouth to the top of her head, keeping it there. There they stayed, just sharing the sweaty warmth of their bodies. Eventually, he kissed the top of her head and gently withdrew. Giles sat up and put his feet on the floor. Max studied him with concern. She wanted to say something reassuring. This was a mistake. Giles sighed. His voice was soft, considerate, but resigned. He stood up and grabbed his underwear. Pretty fun mistake, if you asked me. Mac whispered back with a smile. We have to pretend this never happened, he said, not looking at her. He put his jeans on too, but remained shirtless. Mac swallowed her disappointment. Are you sure that's what you want? I'm sure. She smiled softly. It hurt, but she understood. Her feelings for him had strengthened exponentially. He was beautiful. He was perfect. She saw how desperately he needed someone, and how desperately she wanted to be that someone in his life. She wanted to stay in his arms, to feel his broad chest, to twine her legs with his. If he asked, she would have stayed and made love to him all night and for the rest of her life. But she had to resign herself to the fact that, while he cared, he would never risk going public. She forced her eyes to light up with mischief. It's going to be hard to forget the best fuck of my life. Giles only laughed ruefully through his nose. You should get home. It's getting late. His expression was both caring and mournful. Mac nodded. She finally got out of the bed and put her clothes on. She would clean up the cum drying between her legs once she was home, where there was a real shower. Perversely, she rather liked the mess he left all over her and would be sad to wash off the evidence of the union. She especially treasured the feeling of knowing his sticky cum was inside her. It felt so good and a little wrong all at once. Not knowing what to say, she walked up to him, put her hands on his bare chest, and kissed him. It was a full kiss, but innocent. A thank you? He returned it tenderly. Be safe driving home, beautiful. He stroked her hair and gazed on her lovely face. She nodded, smiling gently at him as she tried to hide the depth of her feelings, and left. Chapter 02 Giles walked toward the glow of the campfires. The Alaskan night was cool but still summer weather. He breathed in deeply, enjoying the pleasant smell of wood turning to embers. They were fortunate tonight the aurora above illuminated the sky in iridescent blues and greens. He'd lived here his entire life, but he would never tire of watching the heavens on a clear night. Giles was never more contented than when he was out in the wilderness. He just wished he was out here by himself. The clandestine gathering of werewolves and their kin was well hidden. It took place on private land, miles from the nearest road and far from the regular flight paths. Everyone had traveled for hours to be here. Seven figures sat on tree stumps in a semicircle around the main fire. Giles would make the eighth. A crowd of people gathered beyond this inner circle. Tonight's turnout was pretty good, he thought. He guessed there were about forty altogether. Those seated by the fire varied by appearance and age, though most were in their thirties or older. What they all shared was a certain inhuman presence, something in the expression on each person's face that betrayed their wild nature. The look varied according to the individual, intense, serenely powerful, cunning, fierce, or in Giles' case, dominating doubt he was by far the largest person present. His towering frame and muscled hulk dwarfed those on either side of him. Right now, he didn't even have his usual charm to offset his intimidating appearance. 
his golden yellow eyes peered out from a scruffy face with several days' growth. He most definitely did not want to be here tonight, but you only missed a pack meeting if you were sick or dead. He chose to show up and just get the damn thing over with dot a tan man, thirty-ish, with pale blonde hair and humorless ice blue eyes turned his attention to the late arrival. Giles, glad you could join us. Seated next to him on the ground and holding his knee was a lovely brunette woman, very obviously pregnant. The man's possessive and public display of his mate was entirely within his rights, but Giles found it sort of tacky. Giles grunted. Ryan. The two of them had clashed several times over the years, mostly over trivial things. Still, they were part of the same grand pack, and in theory, they had the same goals. If necessary, they would both fight to the death to defend the other from external threats. Giles frowned as he noted an empty seat next to Ryan. Where's George? George is sick. In fact, that's our first order of business tonight. Please, Ryan said, gesturing at the open seat near the fire. Giles sat down. He had a slightly sick feeling in his stomach, and it wasn't from the amount of whiskey he'd downed just before his arrival. With his size and werewolf constitution, it was hard for him to get drunk. Right now he had a pleasant buzz that would probably wear off in an hour or so, long enough to get through the meeting. Ryan waited until all eyes were on him, then addressed the crowd. Since our time is short, I'll get straight to the point. As most of you know by now, our Alpha's health has taken a turn for the worse. Ryan paused. He is not expected to recover. Giles winced as he closed his eyes. Damn. He made a mental note to visit the old leader soon. The Alpha former Alpha was a 102-year-old Inupiat who looked like he was in his 70s or 80s. He was the oldest living werewolf Giles had ever heard of. This was mostly a time of peace among werewolves, but many still died younger, falling in conflict with others of their kind or to outside threats. Conflicts with other supernatural creatures were rare. They usually weren't stupid enough to show themselves to their ancient enemies. Some doubted things like vampires even existed anymore. More dangerous were the isolated humans who believed in the supernatural and who were bold enough to hunt them. And while we will mourn the loss of a great man and a great wolf, we must have a leader. I've spoken to him, and he approves of my taking over the pack. A few people in the crowd murmured but most remained respectfully silent. Giles shot a sharp look at Ryan. You can't just wait to make your power play? Show some goddamn respect. Nobody else on the council gives a fuck about being the big alpha anyway. Job's yours whenever you want it. Ryan fixed Giles with a look. I'll pretend that outburst didn't happen, for your sake. I know George is your friend. He's my friend too. I do care about him. I also care about this pack. Without leadership, we're in danger. He fixed Giles with a hard, serious look. Do you intend to challenge me? Giles fixed Ryan with a steady look. He would love to challenge him. Hell, he'd love the chance to punch the arrogant prick's face just once. But winning a challenge against him would mean taking on the responsibility of being Alpha. Giles just wanted to be left alone. The only reason he even sat at the inner circle was because he had kin under his protection and there were no other werewolves from his area. No. Ryan scanned the faces of everyone in the circle. Does anyone else have objections? Giles glanced at Marion, his next closest friend on the council. She was a thin, businesslike woman in her fifties with cream skin and short, snowy white hair. A doctor in her human life, she was always calm, level-headed, and had good advice. She'd do fine as a pack leader. Marion returned his look with a faint shake of her head. Not me. Giles sighed in disappointment. It's settled then, Ryan asserted. 
I officially accept the duties and responsibilities of the Alpha. We can take care of formalities another time. Another time. Yeah, like sometime after the current Alpha was actually dead. Giles zoned in and out as more business was discussed. Wolves and Kin brought their concerns to the council, and the council sorted them out as best they could. One group wanted clarification of territorial boundaries that included a river. A young kin couple asked for permission to marry. The rest were simply there to visit and check in. Summer meetings were always more productive. Winter was a time for family, not business. As the night wore on, people began to break up into small groups. Some retired to their tents and sleeping bags. Someone cleared their throat. Giles suddenly realized it was meant for him. He looked up. Ryan asked, Are we expecting any threats from the pack you dealt with in California? Giles shook his head. I doubt it. They allowed me honorable combat with the one who survived the attack on Connor. Giles felt the combat had been anything but honorable. It was more like an execution. The surviving attacker was just a twenty-year-old kid, still wounded. He took no joy in it, just the satisfaction of closure. And justice. It's been months. If anyone was going to retaliate for his death, they would have done it by now. I see, Ryan answered. And the kin who was responsible for this conflict in the first place, not to mention the loss of one of our own, what was her punishment? Giles scowled at him. It wasn't her fault she was attacked. Hell, if anyone's responsible, it's me. I was the one who encouraged her father to let her leave. You want to punish me? Go right ahead. He glared at Ryan, daring him. In response, Ryan slowly stood up. He lowered his voice dangerously and declared, Don't make my first act as Alpha be making an example of you. I won't be running things quite so, philosophically, as our last leader did. I don't mind constructive disagreements, but I won't tolerate disrespect. I also won't tolerate wolves who can't control their kin. Ryan gestured to the tents and encamps just beyond. Are any of yours even here tonight? They're busy. Giles continued to glare at him. Well, it was true. He had also not wanted to bring everyone up here, not when his sister's family still wasn't speaking to Carson's. Maybe he'd encourage them to come next year, when everyone had had time to move on from their loss. Ryan straightened up and sniffed. If you won't punish her, at least get her in line. Or I will. Giles bared his teeth in a terrible snarl and jumped to his feet. You won't touch her. A middle-aged black man seated at his side jumped up at the same time and grabbed his arm. Michael had keen golden yellow eyes, much like Giles. The two of them weren't close but they understood one another. Don't. Not unless you're serious. Giles met Michael's gaze just briefly. The two of them shared a resigned look that said yeah, he's an asshole dot. Oh? Ryan asked, almost casually. And why not? He ignored David's intervention. Giles fumed. His nostrils flared. Because she's mine. He very nearly said the words. His heart pounded with anger and nervousness. No, he wouldn't claim her, not like this. Because she already wants to do the right thing. I'll help her find someone. And what about you? Ryan asked. As the alpha of your line, you've been very late in exercising your rights. This girl's mother should have been your mate, as I understand. Giles narrowed his eyes. Who had Ryan been talking to? He wasn't usually this well-informed and Ryan wasn't around for that part of his history. My best friend was in love with her. I wasn't. I don't see what that has to do with anything. Ryan shrugged one shoulder. So take the girl, if she's suitable. Giles clenched his fist and stared him down. Talking about Max as some kind of object, a mere commodity, 
infuriated him. He rubbed his mouth and laughed once. Do you even hear how you sound? This ain't the fucking dark ages. You don't just claim people like that anymore. You go on dates and shit. Besides, she's a nineteen-year-old girl, fair Chrisix, less than half my age. He looked away, flustered, afraid they'd see the truth in his face, that he'd already made it her. Just give her some time. Give me time. Marion, still seated calmly on her tree stump, finally spoke up. She had a soft, hoarse voice that she could use to defuse arguments when she wanted to. It's not such a bad idea. Her bloodline is strong, and it's very likely she'll produce at least one wolf. If she holds any attraction for you, you may wish to make your claim before someone else does. She sighed. I'm sorry to be the one to remind you, Giles, but your inaction does weaken our pack. Choosing a mate, any mate, will help you take on more of a leadership role at home. Not to mention, our numbers are the lowest they've been in fifty years. Believe me, I should know. I'm the one who keeps track of these sorts of things. Giles shifted his stance from one foot to the other and turned his frown in the direction of the trees. You know I have my reasons. Michael shook his head and resumed his seat. We're werewolves, Giles. Every one of us has personal demons. That's no excuse. I have to agree with Marion. We have very good reasons for our traditions. Come on. Giles huffed his answer. He just wished they would move on to another subject. Just shut up about Max. Shut up about his not having a mate. There's no law that says I gotta have kids. I do my part. I've put my life on the line for this pack, for all of you. I'm always the first to answer a call to defend. Are any of you going to deny that? Marion asked. And when you're gone? Who will answer those calls then? Who will protect your kin from outsiders? Giles sucked in one cheek and looked away. Ryan cleared his throat. Whatever your choice, make it soon. I'm losing patience. He put on a feral grin and said, Now I don't know about all of you, but I'm starving. Let's set aside our conflicts for now. We are one pack. Time to hunt. The rest of the group shared eager, hungry looks. Some began to smile. Pack hunts were rare, sacred. The council casually shed their clothing right there at the campfire. Leaving the clothes here would keep them nice and warm for when they returned point one by one, their bodies transformed. Ryan went first. The expression in his pale blue eyes lit with terrible fire. His face grotesquely lengthened until it formed a wolfish snout and his ears stretched into points. At the same time, arctic white fur began to cover his entire body. As everyone around him changed, even Giles let go. He rolled his shoulders back, released a deep breath, and lost himself to the pain and freedom of the change. He welcomed the way his his limbs stretched and joints popped. He appreciated the comforting familiarity of the gray fur that grew over him. Giles threw his head back and joined the others in a primal howl. Mac tried not to think about Giles. Nine days went by without his presence, but her thoughts always drifted back to him. By night, she touched her own body as she recalled their single, blissful afternoon together. In her thoughts, she was still in his bed with his strong, warm body on top of her. Together, they stayed cocooned in comfortable darkness within the sheets. If she let herself, she could still recall the roughness of his chin, the solid warmth of his cock rubbing against her thigh. She still knew the taste of his tenderly exploring tongue. By day, the thought of not being with him again filled her with a longing ache, but there was also acceptance. She couldn't fault him for sending her away. This emotional mess was entirely her fault. She'd have to get herself out of it. How's it coming in here? Her mother asked. The sound of her mother's voice woke Mac from her thoughts. 
Mac suddenly remembered she was in the middle of painting a wall. Great, Mac answered, forcing an upbeat lilt into her voice. She resumed her task and continued painting a patch where gray primer still showed through. I should be done with the walls tomorrow. I'll get to the furniture this weekend. I really appreciate you guys letting me do this, by the way. We're glad to, sweetie. Your room needed an update. Her mom smiled and folded her arms. It's looking good. You were right about the yellow. Will you have time to help me with dinner in a little while? Sure, no problem. Mac nodded, then returned her attention to the wall. She failed to notice how her mother carefully watched her expression. You miss him, don't you? Andrea asked quietly. What? Mac glanced quickly at her mother, blinking with wide eyes. Connor, I know you two weren't perfect together, but you were pretty close. Oh, right. Connor. She guiltily realized she hadn't thought of him in weeks. Mac pressed her lips together. Yes, he was a good friend. Andrea was quiet for a while, then added softly. It gets easier, I promise. You never forget the ones who part from us, but eventually, you do learn to remember them without the pain. Or at least, the pain won't be so raw. Mac's gaze flickered to her mother's face. She knew her mother had lost close family members, people who had passed on before Mac was born, but hadn't considered how deep her feelings still were. It's not something her mother had really discussed. Andrea had no idea what really consumed her daughter's thoughts, yet her advice was surprisingly appropriate. Thanks, Mom. They heard the garage door close and heavy footsteps coming up the stairs. A few moments later, Mac's father stood in the doorway to her room. Hey, Dad. Mac gave him an upward nod. Hey there. Carson answered. He also gave Andrea a quick squeeze around the waist and a kiss on the cheek. Andrea smiled at her husband. You're in a good mood. The meeting went well? I think so. I'll tell you all about it later. Carson then peered into Mac's room and glanced around. Looking good, kiddo. You did a nice job. Thanks. I'm happy with the way it's turning out. Mac continued to paint as her parents spoke. Have you seen Giles? Andrea asked Carson. The PAC meeting was over a week ago. I'm starting to worry about him. I'd at least like to know if I should set an extra place for dinner. No, not tonight. Carson studied a section of wall near the door frame, examining the paint job. He stopped by the office and left a message, something about work that's keeping him busy. We'll see him soon, I'm sure. He has to wash his clothes sometime. Andrea frowned. Why would he go all the way to your office instead of coming here? That's another twelve miles. No idea. Maybe he was in town to pick up supplies. Carson lowered his voice and added. He could be in another one of his moods. Andrea twisted her mouth. You should probably go check on him. I will. Carson gave his wife a reassuring smile and touched her cheek. Mac kept her head down but glanced between her parents. Giles had moods? She'd only ever seen him easygoing, calm, and sensible. Mac made a mental note to check on Giles herself. She bit her lip and concentrated on painting the wall. The next day, Mac took the long way home from her volunteer job. Instead of heading straight back to town, she took a 30-mile detour. It was late afternoon by the time she turned down the dirt road to Giles' cabin. Even before she was halfway up his drive, she spotted Giles stepping out onto the porch. He leaned against a post and watched her truck. Mac pulled up in front and stopped. With her hand still on the wheel, she took a deep breath. She couldn't help but feel that Giles looked slightly off. She detected a doleful expression in his eyes. Mac stepped out, shut the truck door, and attempted a smile. 
She tucked her hands behind her, locking her thumbs into the waistband. Hey, she added quickly. I'm not here to seduce you. Giles allowed himself a faint smile. Hey, Max. Looking at his big, huggable chest was difficult for her, so she let her gaze wander elsewhere. I'm not pregnant either. It was hard for her to completely conceal the disappointment she felt at that statement. Something flickered in Zhao's expression. He set his jaw and nodded. Good. Clearing his throat, he asked. So, um, what brings you out here? Mac let her shoulders drop and sighed. You have to come back. Everything has to go back to normal. The longer you stay away, the more suspicious it is. My parents are starting to worry about you. In fact, I shouldn't stay long, just in case my dad decides to drive out here today. Mac glanced back to the road. She found it hard to meet his gaze. The look in his eyes just seemed so broken. God, she really had fucked things up. Max, I... Giles didn't know what to say. He swallowed once and shook his head. How could things go back to normal? How could he sit there and eat dinner at the family table and pretend everything was normal? He was a piece of shit. He'd secretly fucked his best friend's daughter, and there was no taking that back. It didn't matter how it happened. He still made that choice. And here she was, even now trying to fix his mistake. Mac pleaded gently. Please? We can just pretend nothing ever happened, like you said. Besides, I we all miss having you around. The house is pretty boring without you. Giles lost himself in her big blue-green eyes. She always looked at him with an adoration he didn't deserve. Right now her expression pleaded with him for comfort. He wanted nothing more than to hold her right now, tell her everything would be okay. For me? She asked. Giles smiled just a little, but enough to make the faint lines at the corners of his eyes crinkle. I'll think about it. Max smiled back at him fondly. Okay. Carson shuffled through a pile of bills while his wife sat at the kitchen table reading a book. The aroma of something homemade and savory baking in the oven filled the room, something with chicken and a rich, buttery crust. Oh man, something smells good. The familiar comfort of Giles' voice resonated through the kitchen. He shut the door to the garage behind him. He shifted the bag he carried to the other hand. Carson grinned and lifted his eyebrows. Hey! I was going to drive out there tomorrow and make sure you didn't fall straight through the outhouse. You would have left me in there all night? Giles asked, laying a hand on his wounded heart. Andrea got up to hug him, which he returned, and patted her on the back. Eh, you'd survive? Carson shrugged. An odd banging, clattering sound came from upstairs. Kenzie? You okay up there? Max's voice called back. I'm fine. Just drop the ladder. What's all that? Giles asked, peering up the stairway. Andrea answered, Kenzie is redoing her room from top to bottom. I don't know where this newfound drive came from, but I'm glad she's finally getting over the worst of her depression. I should have her do the rest of the house while she's got all this energy to spare. Giles rubbed his mouth and cleared his throat. Carson frowned at the bills in his hand. Please. We cannot afford to renovate every room. Andrea rolled her eyes and smiled at Giles. Anyways. You are just in time for dinner. Giles held up his duffel bag. Do I have time to shower first? Mac finished pulling the last of the painter's tape and tossed it into a trash bag. She tried not to think about who was in the hallway shower just a few feet away. She tried not to think about water splashing over his face or down the muscles in his shoulders as they flexed. She did not want to picture the water running in tendrils through the fine hairs on his chest, down his broad back and over the curve of his nicely rounded backside. Giles was using the same shower she used every day, 
and he was naked in there. Mac picked up the old rag she'd been using to clean up, wadded it up, and threw it forcefully into the bag. She sighed. Now whenever she took a shower, she'd be picturing his nude bulk and that delicious cock of his hanging between his massive thighs. Dinner, surprisingly, turned out to be not nearly as awkward as Heather Giles or Mac feared. For a time, things almost seemed just like they used to be. Giles was just happy to be home again. Everybody enjoyed their meal and talked as they always did. Neither Carson nor Andrea seemed to notice that he and Mac avoided looking at one another or addressing each other directly. Giles wondered if it was because you don't see what you're not looking for. He was relieved, though slightly horrified with himself, to realize just how easy it was for him to act normal. After dinner, and after spending some time with Carson on the back porch, Giles stood in front of the washing machine in the garage, absently watching the lights blink. He hadn't expected things to go this smoothly, though he still wrestled with telling Carson the truth. He didn't, of course. He told himself it was for Mac's sake. Just then, Mac entered the garage, using a paint tray to carry her supplies. She halted on the steps when she saw who was already in here. Oh, I can come back later. Giles shook his head. No, it's fine. Do what you need to do. Mac walked over to a shelf near the utility sink and put away her things. Without looking up, she stepped over to the sink to wash her hands, standing with her back to the only other person in the room. An awkward silence settled over the two of them, amplifying the quiet, rhythmic hum of the washing machine in the background. Giles watched her and found himself smiling. When did she start making jeans look so damn good? There was a certain way she held herself that made him smile. Chin up and shoulders back, the small of her back arched so that her adorably pert but demanded his attention. She really was better, he thought. The withdrawn, broken girl that had returned from California was gone. In her place was a woman with confidence and focus. She had blossomed before his eyes. Listening to her talk over dinner about her plans for returning to school, getting a job in her career field made him think that she might be happy again. Their one amazing afternoon together couldn't have caused this much of a change, could it? The mere idea that he might have had something to do with her newfound strength caused a warm feeling in his chest. Her red hair was up in a messy ponytail, revealing the soft hairs underneath and the pale nape of her neck. It would be so easy for him to brush the ponytail aside and touch his lips to that spot. Before he even realized he was doing it, Giles moved slowly to stand behind her, giving her time to move if she objected. He put his hands on her waist. When her body responded positively to his touch, he lowered his mouth to the back of her neck and pressed his lips to her skin. Mac gasped and tensed as her heart skipped a beat. She lifted her attention from the water running between her fingers. She had been aware of Giles' gaze on her. She hadn't dared to hope it meant anything. I don't want to pretend it never happened. Giles whispered in her ear, his voice rumbling and gravely. I can't stop thinking about you. I haven't, not since you were mine. The way he said it, along with the gentle squeeze of his hands at the word mine, caused a thrilling shudder to run up Mac's spine. She closed her eyes and her hips rolled instinctively beneath his hands. I still want you. She answered in a whisper. Giles turned her around and put her facing him. He leaned down and kissed her forcefully on the mouth. She responded with the same sensual energy. He felt her tongue slip past his, causing shivers to run over his scalp, down his back, and into his groin. Mac felt herself melting at his touch. She held on to his shoulders and ran her tongue over his lips, answering his kisses with her own, equally passionate. As they kissed, he pulled her hips toward him and ground against her, betraying the depth of his need. His hard cock felt like solid marble pressed against her pelvis. Soon, 
Giles pulled back and rested his forehead on hers. Their warm breath intermingled. Maybe, maybe if we fuck just one more time, get it out of our system, aha. Uh-huh. She agreed with a slightly woozy nod. Just once. Max's eyes remained heavily lidded, intoxicated as she was by his kisses. Tomorrow, he breathed. My place. Giles lifted Mac with his large hands, wrapping them under her backside. Together they quickly stumbled their way into the bedroom. Every movement they made was hurried and anxious, as though they were trying to make up for lost time. They both spent the last twenty-four hours in sensual suspense. She locked her legs around his waist and held on tight as they kissed furiously. There were no inhibitions this time, nothing to hold them back, just joyful lust and intense desire that drove them inexorably toward one another. She locked her wrists behind his neck as he placed her on top of his bed. Max slid her hands beneath his shirt and eagerly ran them along his top muscles. Giles helped, hastily pulling his shirt over his head, giving her full freedom to touch his broad chest. His mouth sought her neck, to suck and bite at the tender skin there as he unbuttoned her shirt. Mac gasped, encouraging him by running the fingers of one hand through his hair as the other gripped his shoulder. With his mouth still occupied, his fingers sought the fly of her jeans. She wiggled out of them as he pulled them down, taking her underwear with them. Giles then moved his nibbling, sucking kisses down to her breasts, and removed her brow. His kisses traveled over her beautifully formed breasts and stopped to savor her pert, pink nipples. Mac breathed deeply and arched her back, and with a soft moan, begged for more. Giles obliged, even as his fingers drifted down to trace over her sex. He slipped one finger inside, gently teasing her, causing her hips to press up against his hand. Somewhere in the back of his mind, Giles was dimly aware of the wrongness of all of this, but he ignored that nagging voice and enthusiastically enjoyed the feeling of her soft body beneath him. Their hands grasped and pawed at each other, both of them desperate to be free of their clothes which were now suddenly far too constricting, and they soon rid themselves of everything in the way that he had it in his mind to wait, to draw this out and enjoy it, but his body would not listen. The wolf in him had needs. He lifted one of her legs and positioned himself at her entrance. With a forceful thrust, he pressed his cock inside her. With only minor effort, he pushed his cock in as far as it would go. It wasn't so hard to do, given how wet and ready for him she already was. He held that position, threw his head back, and groaned. He took a moment to treasure the feeling of having his cock completely enveloped by her slick warmth. Mac cried out, tilting her head to one side and bearing her throat to him. She felt herself smile, almost an unconscious reaction, and wrapped one leg around one of his thighs. Kiss me, she whispered, luring his head down with a teasing stroke of her fingers through his hair. He followed her lead, meeting her mouth as he repeatedly thrust into her. His lips tugged needfully at hers. As his pace increased and he pulled back to breathe, he nosed and kissed at her neck in the soft spot just under her ear. Mac could only hold on and enjoy the strength in his oversized frame. Each powerful thrust of his huge cock sent her mind reeling. He could easily break her, if he chose. Hell, she thought, he could probably break her without meaning to. The idea caused a fearful thrill in her. She wanted more. Leading with a press of her hand to his shoulder, she guided him until he was lying on his back. Giles smiled faintly in surprise and held her hips as she gingerly lowered herself onto him, impaling herself on his sturdy cock. She leaned back, letting the pressure from his body press hard inside her in exactly the right spot that he timed his thrusts with hers, watching in wonder as her lithe body moved up and down just for him, everything about her so sweetly tantalizing. He reached for her breasts, toying with her nipples and enjoying her whimpering reactions. 
He then brought one hand down and circled her clit with his thumb, using her slick juices to slide over the hard little nub. Max breathing quickened. Everything happening to her body was both too much and not enough. Mac wondered if it was possible to go insane before you had a chance to come. He stroked her clit oh so perfectly. Now that his passion had been unleashed, his body, his technique, everything was so different and new to her, and yet everything about him felt just right. She could feel his muscles tensing, hear his guttural groans as he drew closer, and yet she didn't want him to pull out. This was no longer politics. It was her personal need, her desire. She closed her eyes as she imagined him filling her with his cum. Her face flushed with excitement. Her own thoughts shocked her, and yet, at the moment she couldn't imagine anything she wanted more. Their well-timed thrusts eventually sent them both to the edge. With his attention to her clit, Mac came first and cried out in full-throated pleasure. Giles felt her muscles tightening and pulsing around him. The same thing to do would be to pull out. He really ought to, he thought, but she felt so good, so right. Her muscles spasmed and gripped his cock, attempting to milk it. Just this once would be okay. What were the odds? He groaned and gripped her hips firmly as he shot his whole load inside her. Giles bellowed with relief. She turned her heavily lidded smile down to him, and he grinned as he brought her in close. He wrapped his arms around her and turned her to the side. He kissed her cheek, her neck, her collarbone. Breathing hard, he pulled back just enough to meet her eyes. You're so beautiful, he whispered. Giles traced hair off of her forehead as he gazed on her. She really was gorgeous. He enjoyed the beautiful way her full breasts rose and fell as she fought to catch her breath. His hand caressed her narrow waist and womanly hips. One of her shapely legs was still wrapped around his. As she smiled up at him with her sparkling blue eyes, he became aware of a new feeling, one he could finally put a name to. He loved her. More than that, he knew he was in love with her. Whatever happened, she would always belong to him. Rather than saying the words, he kissed her again, showing with action what he couldn't bring himself to admit out loud. Mac lost herself in his kiss. She could stay in his arms forever, she thought to herself. She traced his broad back and shoulders with light brushes of her fingertips, exploring the curves of his body, enjoying how his muscles twitched at her touch, and the solid feel of his body pressed half atop hers. I love you. She kept the words to herself as she kissed him, treasuring them as something fragile and precious. Instead of speaking them, she asked, So, am I out of your system? Giles laughed. Not hardly. Am I out of yours? I don't know. I think we may have to try this again, and again, and again, just to be sure. A couple of weeks passed and, miraculously, no one suspected a thing. Max snuck off to Giles' cabin at every opportunity. Giles, any guilt long since ignored, eagerly welcomed her visits. They spent every spare moment fucking like wild animals. Aware that this would only be a temporary arrangement, both of them chose to enjoy it while it lasted. Giles tried to remember to pull out every time but she just felt so damn good. If he was completely honest with himself, he would have had to admit he secretly thrilled at those moments when he lost control and pumped her full of his cum Max certainly didn't seem to mind. Giles came and went from the house as usual. When others were around, Giles was good at keeping his head down and his reactions to Max's presence Loki. Max studiously kept her glee in check whenever he was in the room. She did, however, find excuses to be alone with him whenever she could. The temptation to get away with something was too much. The laundry area, in particular, became a favorite spot to sneak in a grope or a squeeze or a steamy kiss. They didn't risk trying more than that. 
Footsteps in the hallway to the garage would give them time to know when someone was coming, but not enough time to get dressed out on one evening. Giles had Mac pressed against the washing machine from behind. He gripped her waist and massaged through her clothing. He growled softly in her ear. I can't keep my hands off of you. I love feeling your hands on me. Mac answered over her shoulder. You've made me completely useless, you know. All I can think about lately is fucking you. Giles was about to answer when Andrea's voice called out from inside the house. Mac? Giles? Carson? Dinner's ready. Mac cringed and laughed silently, separating herself from Giles. That's our cue. You go in first. Tell her I'm folding your laundry. Which I will, by the way. You're terrible at it. Giles grunted in annoyance. He removed his hands from her and adjusted the bulge that had just started in his pants. You're mine later. As he turned to leave, he smacked her on her backside. Mac put her hand to her mouth and gasped, pretending to be shocked. Several pairs of socks, boxers, and five shirts later, Mac joined the rest of the family at the table and helped herself to some of the casserole. Sorry, I was finishing up with the folding. Andrea smiled warmly. I was just telling Giles that I think it's so nice you help him with his laundry. Mac, to her credit, kept a perfectly straight face. Not a problem. If I left it to him, he'd shove it all back into the laundry bag in one big lump. Hopeless, I tell you. She pointed a fork at Giles. That's what you're getting for Christmas from me, by the way, a real laundry basket. Giles made a face and raised one eyebrow in amusement. Well, now it's not a surprise. Carson laughed, then spoke up. Hey, I forgot to tell everyone. The deal's done. They approved the funds for the new airport. Andrea smiled and clapped her hands at the news, but her daughter scowled. Mac answered flatly. Great, so we can look forward to even more tourists. Her father shrugged and took another bite of food. Hey, tourists bring money. And problems? Mac retorted. Pretty soon we'll be just like any other tourist trap in Alaska, with kitschy shops selling fake native art and moose turd candy. Meanwhile, everyone makes more trash and uses up valuable local resources while burning tons of fossil fuels. Andrea and Giles shared a look that said here we go again. Giles smirked and focused on his food. He didn't disagree with Mac he just didn't get as fired up as she did about these things. Carson, accustomed to arguing all day, gladly engaged his daughter. The airport will increase the number of tourists for a few months every year, yes, but the town has plans to manage growth. You're not the only one thinking about these things. Now eat your food before it gets cold. Mac gave her father a stern look of disbelief, almost offended. Carson spoke again. The reason I mentioned it is because the aviation company has offered to fly us down to Anchorage to celebrate this weekend. I mean you and me, Han, he explained, as he looked to his wife. How would you like to stay in a luxury hotel for a couple of nights? Andrea gasped and immediately got up to hug her husband. Yes, I'd love to, she laughed. Carson pulled her into his lap. Giles grinned at his friend's good fortune. Congrats. Mac opened her mouth in a surprised smile. Nice, Mom. That's so great. Wait, have you guys ever had a real vacation? Andrea and Carson exchanged glances. They both shook their heads. Carson answered for them. No, not really, unless you count fishing trips or camping. We didn't even get much of a honeymoon. Andrea looked to her daughter. Will you be okay by yourself this weekend? Sure, Mac replied, stabbing food with her fork. I have a shift at the park on Saturday and other stuff to keep me busy and Giles can come over and play Scrabble. Mac nudged Giles' leg under the table, 
rubbing the back of his calf with her sock-covered toes. Giles, caught with a forkful of food in his mouth, lifted both eyebrows and froze. His stomach twisted nervously. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. Perfect. Carson answered, giving his wife a squeeze around the waist. See? She'll be fine. This weekend will just be you and me. That Saturday night, Giles and Mac lounged on the sofa while the remains of a pizza cooled on the coffee table. Neither Mac nor Giles said anything. They just zoned out on the old cowboy movie on the television. Neither of them had to say anything. It was a comfortable sort of silence. Mac rested against him, with her lean, athletic legs stretched out on the ottoman. She wore only a pair of pajama shorts and a lacy camisole. Giles spared an occasional glance to her full, perfect breasts and openly enjoyed the way her tight top showed them off. He smiled, contented in the knowledge that they were his to claim whenever he wanted. Max smirked as she felt his hands slide out from behind her shoulders and absently drift to her inner thigh. He massaged her soft skin, causing her thighs to part for him as if on instinct. Both of them kept their gaze on the TV while his fingers found her sex, easily accessed with the loose-fitting shorts she wore. He toyed with her, using his middle finger to lazily slide up and down just inside the slit. The tip of his finger parted her lips just enough to pick up some of her honey, then used it to trace slow, tiny circles around her clit. She ground her hips in response, feeling her breath quicken under his attentions. Her hand reached over and undid his jeans. She gently reached in and slowly massaged his cock, exploring the growing shape of it with her hand. Giles let his finger slide further in. He gently probed, using his finger to fuck her with agonizing slowness. He alternated this with pulling out and rubbing around her clit again. The combination of sensations and the sudden denial of them caused a pleasantly needy feeling in the pit of her stomach. Her hips began to move more intensely against his hand and she gripped his cock with a little more firmness that it wasn't long before the rhythm of his ministering fingers brought her to the edge of release, and denied her again. He smoothly switched between techniques a few times, causing her to whine in desperation. He slowly pumped his finger inside, slid it out, rubbed up, down, and around. Mackenzie threw her head back and whined, the sound a plea for him to complete her body's needs. He obliged finally staying long enough in one spot to make her come. Her whole body shuddered in pleasure as little electric shocks traveled outward, making her skin tingle all over and her nipples harden. Max stayed still for a while, with a serene smile on her face, and just enjoyed the afterglow. Once she'd come down a little from her high, she sat up. Mac lowered her head into Giles' lap and took his cock into her mouth, moaning softly around him. She closed her eyes and savored the taste of him, the feel of him filling her mouth. She smiled to herself as he let out a deep groan. His hips bucked gently upwards. Max saw out of the corner of her eye that he'd let his head fall back and draped his arms over the back of the sofa. His chest rose and fell with shallow breaths. In the few short weeks they'd been sneaking around, Mac was now an expert in what Giles liked. She took it slow and easy. Every time she pulled up, she sucked a little more intensely, something that seemed to drive him crazy. Eventually, the slow, rhythmic attention to his cock and the loving attention of her lips and tongue paid off. She felt his abs tense beneath her. He gripped her hair with one hand, not pushing her head down, just holding on. He came hard. She felt his hot cum shoot into the back of her throat and swallowed it down. She would have preferred it deep inside her pussy, but the night was still young. They had plenty of time to fool around. Mackenzie was confident he'd have more for her later. Goddamn, Max. You're really good at that. He smiled at her with a lazily contented expression. 
she reached out with her tongue and flicked it to reach a little bit of cum on the corner of her mouth. Mmm, easy to do when I'm inspired. I guess we're not playing Scrabble tonight, Giles remarked amused. He stroked the hair on the back of her head. I hate Scrabble. And you, have way too many clothes on. She leaned in and kissed him briefly. Giles closed his eyes and returned the kiss. Then he looked down at his t-shirt and jeans. His softening cock was still hanging out. He'd felt too drowsy and good to want to move. With an annoyed grunt, he got up and stripped off his clothes. Let's make up this bed before we do anything else. I'm not gonna want to get out of it again. We could sleep in my bed? Or my parents, I guess. Giles blanched. No. Why not? We are not sleeping in your parents' bed. And yours is too small. Giles dropped his clothes unceremoniously on the floor. It's a queen now, same size as this one. I redid my room, remember? As Giles seemed to be sleeping in the nude tonight, Mac followed his lead. She tugged her cami off and dropped her shorts. Oh, right. Well, it would still feel weird. Giles had a sudden flash of her childhood bedroom, the way it was years ago. Too many memories. A decade and a half ago, he was reading her bedtime stories in there. Nope. It would have to be the sofa bed, where he would sleep with the very lovely, very womanly Mackenzie. Mac shrugged at his objections. She padded over to a wooden chest and pulled out the guest bedding. At least they'd have the chance to fall asleep together in front of a television just once, like a normal couple. A an hour later, still feeling comfy and not sleepy at all, Mac flipped through the channels. She was nestled up against Giles' warm body, with his arm under her shoulders. She paused on a channel showing a preview for next weekend's late-night movie. In it, a man was changing, very melodramatically, into a cheap, rubbery approximation of a werewolf. She felt Giles grunt softly in scornful amusement. Mac frowned. Sometimes she forgot what Giles truly was. He was just so down-to-earth most of the time. He made it easy to forget. He never spoke of it, and had definitely never shifted in front of her. It was a whole part of his life that he kept to himself, and she knew nothing about. Giles? Mm-hmm. His hand had begun to idly stroke her hair. What's it like? Being a werewolf, I mean. Giles drew in a slow breath through his nose before answering. Did you ever have a dream about being an animal? I don't think I have. I once had a conversation with a moose who was trying to find a restroom, but I think I was human in that one. Giles chuckled. He explained. The best way to describe it is, when I'm a man, I remember being a wolf like it was a dream I had. When I'm a werewolf, I'm an animal who remembers his dreams of being a man. But we're both the same, if that makes any sense. That's why older wolves mentor younger ones and why we have to keep a close eye on any new wolves we don't know. It takes training to keep your head when you change. Otherwise you just go on instinct. That can be bad when anyone else is around. The worst are the people who don't know what's happening to them, or don't want to believe. Most of them just go crazy. Mac ran her fingertips slightly through the wispy hair on his chest as she solemnly considered this. Does changing hurt? Giles nodded. Yeah. Especially the first time. After that, it hurts, but you kind of get used to it. If you do it enough times, you start to welcome the pain. It feels good. Like ripping off a band-aid or eating a chili pepper. After that, you need to do it every once in a while. You know, like needing to pop your knuckles. So you have to change? Giles peered at her. What do you mean? I mean, can you just choose not to change? She was genuinely interested now. Max's inner scientist was fully intrigued. Wondering how the biology of all of this worked. 
Giles shook his head, his expression turning serious. I never tried to go too long without changing. It's a need. It builds up until you gotta release it. Sometimes I just know it's time. Once or twice a month seems to be enough for most wolves. I guess that must be how the idea of turning on a full moon started. That, and it's easier to hunt when there's more light. Mac tried to hold back a laugh but it escaped in a snicker. She couldn't help it. Giles was so serious right now, but all she could say was, So you're telling me you have that time of the month? That broke his darker mood. He laughed, annoyed. Fuck you. Yes, please. They had sex twice once more that night, slow, adoring, and passionate. It was a welcome change to simply make love and leisurely enjoy their time together. The next morning, Mac discovered a whole new wonderful sensation, waking up in Zhao's arms. She was snuggled in against his chest while he had both arms wrapped protectively around her. Golden sunlight streamed in through the sliding glass door, warming them both. Mac nuzzled in, breathing in his masculine scent. She kept her movements soft and small so that he wouldn't get up just yet. She wanted this one, glorious moment to last. As Giles awoke, he rubbed his hand over her hip and emitted a low, pleasant rumble that made Mac's heart flutter. She smiled contentedly and slowly kissed his skin wherever she could reach. The two of them stayed in bed, sleepily touching, exploring, and massaging each other until the lateness of the hour made it impossible to stay any longer. Mac's parents would be returning home that afternoon, and they still needed time to erase all evidence of their night together. A few hours later, after the bedding had all been washed, trash thrown away, and the house had been aired out, Giles snuck up on Mac and wrapped his arms around her waist. He pulled her in against him. You know we can't keep doing this. You say that every time. Mac noted, not without amusement. Giles heaved a sigh and hugged her closer. I mean it. You know this can't go on. Mac knew. She just wasn't ready to face that truth yet. She dropped her gaze. Giles murmured quietly near her ear. I was thinking we should do something nice, and this in a good way. I want to take you out and just spend some time together. Mac dropped her arms to cover his. I like that idea. It can't be in town, though. What about a picnic? Giles' smile widened. I know a spot on the river. Nice and quiet. No bears. Sounds perfect. I could make some sandwiches before we go. Mac turned around and Giles accommodated her, pulling her in again once she was facing him. She ran a finger along his hard, stubble jawline, examining it, thinking about how she loved the feel of it between her legs. Giles considered. Hmm. I was thinking I could grill salmon. Ooh, you're going to cook for me? Very nice. But you'll have to buy the wine. No wine. You're not twenty-one. Mac laughed. You can't be serious. Last night you came in my mouth. I doubt I'll be corrupted by a nice bottle of wine. Giles opened his mouth, awkwardly laughed a little, and answered. I'll think about it. Giles and Mac rested on a soft blanket by the riverbank. He had his head in her lap. She toyed absently with his long hair as she watched the water part around a rock in the middle of the river. The smell of smoke from the cooling coals on the portable grill drifted downstream, carried off by a light breeze. Next to them on a flat rock were two glasses and a bottle of Pinot Noir, mostly empty. Giles kept his eyes closed. His face was entirely serene. There could be no more perfect afternoon than this. If this was all life gave him, he could die happy. Max's thoughts were less serene but she was content for now to let a peaceful moment last. She allowed herself to appreciate the peace of such a beautiful, lazy afternoon. At some point, Giles realized he must have nodded off. 
He opened his eyes and looked up. Hi. Max smiled back at him. Hi. Giles tilted his head slightly. You okay? Mac blinked at him. She hadn't realized her melancholy mood was showing. Yeah. I guess I'm just worried. About? She hesitated. Giles, what's going to happen to me? Giles sat up a little bit, moving off her lap to lean on one elbow. What do you mean? I figured you'd finish school, get one of those park jobs you've always talked about. And what about, you know, my obligations to the pack? A mate. Kids. Screw obligations. Giles frowned sour. He picked a piece of grass and flicked it away. Easy enough for you to say. You're a wolf. You get choices. It's not the same for me. Giles looked out at the water, his gaze falling on that same rock. You're my kin to protect, Max. I'll find you someone. Good. Kind. Someone you could fall in love with. That all describes you. Mac looked down at a blade of grass she just picked and twirled it in her fingers. She shook her head. I don't understand. Why can't it be you? Yeah, my parents will freak for a while, but Dash, it ain't just about that. Giles answered, cutting her off. There's stuff you don't know about me. I'm not mate material, Max. Yeah, I. I care about you. You know that. Doesn't mean I can be what you need me to be. She studied his profile, wondering again about the conspicuous absence of a family of his own. He hung around her family all the time. His sister had married. Why did he never take a mate? I don't believe that. I mean, look at the way you treat me. I've known you my whole life. You're a good man. Hell, you're perfect. Don't say that. Why not? Because I'm not. There was almost a hint of a growl in his last statement. Mac went silent. Giles sighed. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to snap at you. She shook her head. It's okay. Giles sat up. He took her hands in his own. No, it's not okay. It's just what I'm talking about. I want to explain, but I don't even know how to start. But you, you'll be okay, Max. You really will. Someday you really will meet the perfect guy. I'll make sure you don't get married off to some jerk. Whoever it is, it'll be your choice. I promise. No matter who she ended up with, Mac was certain of one thing. Giles was the one she'd always love. A few days later, Giles pulled up at the end of a long day's work to find Mac's truck in his driveway again. He muttered a curse, set his jaw, and stomped up the porch stairs that he found Mac inside, lounging naked in his bed, barely covered by his blanket. She gave him a small, wicked smile that he pointed his right arm straight at the door. Out. The allure of a seductive redhead in his bed was not lost on him, so Giles looked elsewhere. Mac laughed. Oh, come on. I didn't want things to end the way they did. It was too sad. So, here I am. Let's go out with a bang. One corner of her mouth twitched in amusement. She raised her eyebrows in invitation. Giles smoothed, trying to hide his sudden urge to smile. You are a bad influence. Mac's grin widened and her eyes twinkled. She toyed with her lower lip, moistening it, and looked at him through her lashes. Her back arched a little as she turned her hips to the side and drew up a knee. That upper hip hiding under the blanket begged to be caressed. Giles shook his head and laughed. Get. Up. Mac pouted. However, she obeyed and got out of the bed. She let the blanket fall away, revealing her luscious curves and the small patch of red hair between her legs. Since he was between her and her clothes on the chair in the living area, she strolled in his direction. She met his gaze the entire time and smiled, knowing it would drive him crazy. 
Giles just stared. God, there was something about her eyes that held him in place. He couldn't escape them. He felt his heart quicken. Damn it, she was right. He wanted this too. He blamed it on his wolf. The damn thing wouldn't leave him alone about her. It needed to mate her. She was his. It needed her to claim her, for her body to belong to him, and only him. Giles grabbed her around the waist and put her up against the wall. He bit her neck, growling possessively as he did so, causing Mac to squeal in delight. His hands roamed over her bare skin and lifted her higher. Mac tilted her chin away from his attack and moaned in contentment. This. This is what she wanted, now and forever. Giles pressed his clothed body against her nude form and growled into her neck. God, you're so warm. I need you. He reached down with his free hand and fumbled with the fly of his jeans, freeing his fully hard cock. He thrust inside her and began to fuck her against the wall. Mac held on tight to his shoulders and wrapped her legs around him. She rode his cock, relishing the fullness of his body inside her as he effortlessly bore her weight. Giles pounded at her, angry, fierce, demanding. It had been days since their last time together, far too long to be separated from the thing he wanted most. His fingers dug into her backside, causing her to whimper. She was so slick, so warm, so perfectly tight around his cock. Mac winced at the pain of his nails digging into her ass. She wanted this too much to let him know about it. If she did, he might stop altogether. He'd never been this rough with her before, but she found it strangely added to her pleasure. She wanted more of that beastly side of him. She dug her own nails into his back and claimed his mouth with a warm, wet kiss. Giles pulled away from this kiss in order to breathe. He came just before she did. He groaned raggedly and released his seed into her. He needed this. His whole body burned for her. The only way to relieve that fire was to know her sweet cunt would be filled and dripping with his cum she shuddered all over, struggling to stay upright as her muscles convulsed for him. The release left her whole body thrumming with satisfaction. They stayed locked together like this, using the wall for support as they both tried to catch their breath. She rested her forehead against his and gazed into his eyes. Still want me to go? She asked breathlessly, smiling. How much time do you have? A couple of hours. Giles smirked and brushed his lips against hers. Good. Until then, you're mine. He kissed her with tender passion. They never said any parting words. It was an unspoken agreement that they would avoid each other from now on. September passed with almost no contact between them at all. Giles spent less and less time at Mac's house. He even managed to come by and do laundry while she was out. Not that Mac would have ambushed him again. It hurt, but she knew it was truly over. It was up to her to move on with her life, with or without him. The dark, cold morning made Mac want to stay in her bed. It was only nausea that forced her to get up. It was her second morning like this. She supposed her emotions were just out of control. One way or another, she'd have to get used to a life without Giles. Mac used a full-length mirror on the inside of her closet door as she straightened her shirt and brushed her hair. Satisfied, she stepped into the hallway. If he doesn't want help, there's nothing we can do. It was her father's muffled voice. Mac glanced at her parents' room with a frown. Maybe I should go to Laura. She might be able to find out what's wrong. Her mother's voice answered. I doubt it. You know their history. They don't really talk, not like he does with us. Why do you think he spends all of his time here? Max stood still and kept her hand on the doorknob to her room. Well, we can't just let him sit out there and brood. He's been moody before, but this is the worst I've ever seen it. Her father replied too softly for Mac to make out the words. It didn't matter. 
She'd heard all she needed to know. She would just have to go out there again. It was her fault Giles was in pain. It was her job to fix IT.no. No, it wasn't. She wanted to help him, but dear God, what if she was the one making it worse? What if just being around her only prolonged his torment? The next morning, Mac awoke suddenly with the terrible urge to throw up. She grabbed the trash can next to her bed. It was, thankfully, not much, but still gross.oh God. If she was coming down with something, she missed her final day at the park. She was supposed to be there to help close everything down after the tourist season. Max sighed in frustration and grabbed a handful of tissues to wipe her mouth. This was really bad timing. Timing. Mac blanched as she realized a more likely cause of her nausea. She covered her mouth with the tissue. She didn't even bother trying to talk herself out of the possibility of being pregnant. Giles had certainly come inside her enough times. She'd have to get a pregnancy test, maybe two, just to be sure. But how to do that in a small town where everybody knew you? After her final shift and after a trip to the next town over, the one with the big, semi-anonymous supermarket, Mac rushed home with the test kit hidden at the bottom of her bag. Her parents were both out, thank God, so she rushed straight to the hallway bathroom on the upper floor. A few moments later, she had her answer. She stared in shock at the cheerful little blue plus sign looking back up at her. Panic overrode all other emotions. Her heart pounded as she hastily wrapped the used test in a wad of tissue and tucked it into the trash can. She had so many questions and no answers. She considered the merits of telling her family it was some random guy. Giles could be left out of this entirely. She'd have to tell Giles, of course. She wouldn't keep a secret like this from him. Not that she could. He'd know as soon as word got back to him that she was pregnant. She imagined herself raising this child alone. Could she do it? Max suddenly found her thoughts drifting to cute baby clothes and toys and a child to love. Not just any child, Giles' child. Max's worry melted just a little, leaving enough room for a small smile. She waited until after dinner and told her family she had to go see a friend. If they thought her behavior was odd, they didn't comment on it. It was nearly 9 p.m. by the time she pulled up to Giles' cabin. Mac frowned. She had a sense that something was wrong. His truck was parked at an odd angle. All of the lights were off, except for one lamp visible through the window. She kicked something in the dark. A beer can went scuttling. She knocked. If he didn't want to see her, she wouldn't press it. He'd just have to find out later. Giles? There was no answer. Mac turned the knob and opened the door slowly. Giles? I just need to talk. Are you there? She heard a soft grunt come from the chair in the living area. Giles was slumped in it. Mac turned on the bigger light and he blocked his eyes with his arm. I'll fuck. Turn that off. She didn't. Mac now saw that Giles hadn't shaved in quite a while, possibly since her last visit. He had a full beard now. The dark circles framed his reddened eyes. Giles, we have to talk. It's important. She hesitated, then asked. Are you drunk? Just a little. Giles held up the bottle of whiskey that had been dangling from his hand and assessed the amount remaining. A little of the amber liquid sloshed in the bottom. It's hard for me to get real drunk. Werewolf. Mac dropped her gaze. Seeing him like this was painful. Maybe I should come back. No, no. Giles answered, waving his arm. Go on, say what you have to say. Mac folded her arms and frowned. No, not like this. I'll come back another time. Don't bother. What? Mac stared at him. He'd never said anything to hurt her before. Surely he didn't mean it the way she'd heard it?
I won't be here. Max brows furrowed. Her heart rate sped up as she began to panic just a little. What do you mean? I can't stay here. Can't stay in this stupid town, with my stupid sister and my stupid life. She put her hands on her hips. She felt tears starting but she willed herself not to cry. So you're just leaving? Giles stared blankly at the bottle, considering it. So what I said. Max's need to cry was quickly turning to hot anger. She was furious with him. Stop it. It's just the alcohol talking. You don't know what you're saying. This isn't you. Giles finally looked at her. He squinted then laughed. Girl, you don't know who the hell I am. Mac had never before had the urge to smack sense into someone but she did right this moment. Taking a deep breath, she walked over and sat down next to him on the floor. I'm not walking out of here with you like this. I can't. Whatever else you are to me, you're my friend. Would you cut that shit out, Max? Giles snapped back at her. You put me on this pedestal like I'm some kind of perfect god. I'm not. I can't live up to your image of me. Max's mouth twitched. That one hurt. Is that what this is? You're using the fact that I... She almost added the words love you, but right now was not the time for that confession. See you as a good person as an excuse to be, like this? That doesn't make sense. Makes perfect sense. Mac didn't know what to say. Nothing she could say right now would put him in his right mind. Silence settled over the room. I killed him! Mac looked up at his face. Giles wore a haunted expression. She was almost scared to ask. Who? My father. Giles' tongue was loose now. He let out a sigh. He was a mean son of a bitch, my old man. Mean or drunk. He used to beat the shit out of my mom and me. I kept my sister out of it as best I could. We were all scared of him cause he was a big, mean werewolf. The last part sounded mocking. Your father was around then. He remembers. Does he know you? He was the first person I went to. They say friends help you move and good friends help you move bodies. Carson was a good friend. Giles put his fist to his forehead and squeezed his eyes tight. After everything they'd been through together, for him to betray his friend like this, Max's eyes went wide. She didn't like thinking about the implications of what Giles had just said. With her voice barely above a whisper, she asked, What happened? He glanced at Mac. What do you think happened? One night he started thrashing my mom again. I guess he forgot that I wasn't a kid anymore. I was an even bigger, meaner werewolf. Laura was six. She barely remembers any of this. She likes to pretend nothing bad ever happened to her, that her life was always perfect. Her way of dealing with it, I guess. It's why I always spend more time with your family than hers. She doesn't like to be reminded of where she came from. Mac put a hand on his. I'm sorry. She whispered. But it was obviously self-defense. Nobody could blame you for that. My mom did. Or I don't know. I don't even understand anymore. She. Giles ran his fingers through his hair. She went crazy that night. She ended up in the hospital and never came out. I tried to visit her a few times. She'd start crying, calling me by his name, begging me not to hurt her, asking where the kids were. Mac closed her eyes. That's awful. She added softly. You're nothing like him, you know. You don't get it, Max. Giles pulled his hand away. He got up from his chair and paced over to the kitchen counter. Pointing at his chest, he declared, I am him. I'm just like him. Just like every man in my whole damn family. We're all trash, every last one of us. He held up the bottle in his hand as though it were evidence of this, 
looked like he was about to throw it, then thought better of it and set it next to the dishes. It wobbled nearly toppling over. Giles, what are you talking about? You'd never do those things. Mac countered. You're not like that at all. Really? Giles demanded. How do you know that? How do you know I wouldn't turn into that? My mom loved him, you know. He was good to her at some point. Maybe one day he just lost it. He closed his eyes tight and held his fists to his head. He was starting to lose his buzz already. It's like a fucking curse on my bloodline. Mac opened her mouth. She almost told him then. But no, she couldn't, not like this. Giles would be his old self again soon, and then she'd tell him. She'd tell him when he could share in the joy she felt. Instead, she tried reasoning with him. What do you mean, a curse? Giles looked up at the ceiling, then explained patiently. I can trace my werewolf ancestors back to Europe a few hundred years ago. The one who spawned my line was, not a nice guy. Rape, torture, murder, you name it. Other werewolves tried to stop him. He was eventually caught by the church and put on trial. He escaped. His descendants came to the States and started the same shit all over again. I can't come up with a single werewolf I'm descended from who wasn't rotten. Including my asshole father. There's been bad blood between your family and mine going back for generations. He shook his head. Not anymore. It ends with me. There's no good reason for me to bring any kids into this world. He stated these things as if they were simple facts, nothing more. If he felt any self-pity it didn't show, Mac pressed her lips tightly together, fighting back tears. Please say you don't mean that, Giles. Please. Giles glared at her. Stop it. Just stop. Whatever girlish fantasies you've had about us, Max, they end now. So he didn't love her. She already knew that. She knew she should tell him about her pregnancy right now, but his words hurt. She didn't want him to know just yet. It was her small way of punishing him, hurting him back. Max set her jaw. You were the only one who ever understood me, she answered him. And you've been so good to me. I'm trying to be here for you now, when you need someone the most, and you're pushing me away. I just don't understand why you think you're some kind of monster. Giles worked his jaw and turned his back to her. He held on to the counter with both hands, straining it with his weight. Damn it. She wasn't listening. He had to make her see. He had to show her. That's it, isn't it? You've never seen me like I truly am. I think it's time you met my other side. I'll show you what kind of monster I am. The last few words were accompanied by growl. He began to unbutton his jeans. Giles. Mac, still seated on the floor, scooted back. She'd never been afraid of him before, but then he never spoken to her like this. Thought he quickly cast his clothing aside, then slowly turned his head to face her. The shadows on his face were all wrong. His eyes, normally so compelling and kind, seemed to reflect more light than they ordinarily did. They shone with anger, without a trace of his usual humanity. His features stretched and morphed into a hideous approximation of an ordinary wolf. His lips pulled back to reveal a set of long, sharp canine teeth. The ominous growling grew deeper. As Giles' height and width expanded, his skin stretched and pulled in all the wrong directions. His growl turned into roars of pain. As close as she was, she could see that his fur didn't sprout from his skin. Instead, fine cracks spread out over it, revealing the bloodied gray fur beneath. At first, the fur was red and wet, but as the skin peeled away, so did the blood. All of it turned to a fine ash, then nothingness as it fell away from his body, leaving no evidence he was ever human. His bones popped and contorted. His hands stretched until they ended in long, 
ghastly claws. Mac watched in fascinated horror as Giles' already massive frame grew to fill the small room. The more space he took up, the further she retreated, until she was up against the far wall. He towered over her now, having to crouch slightly to avoid hitting his head on the ceiling. He was a giant, far bigger than the other werewolves she'd seen. The werewolf that used to be Giles took two steps closer to her on its massive hind legs. Mac's whole body shook with fear. She knew it was Giles, her Giles, but she couldn't help her reaction. He wouldn't really hurt her, would he? What if becoming a werewolf somehow made him lose control? What if he forgot himself? She read only fury on that terrible, inhuman face. Her body shook with adrenaline. The werewolf slowly lowered its head until its bared fangs came within a foot of her face. Mac felt the sudden urge to run but her body refused to move. She wanted to plead with him but the words died on her lips. Giles, please be in there. The beast belted out a roar, louder and more terrible than she could have imagined. It was rage. Pure rage. She closed her eyes tight against the onslaught and shivered. The werewolf turned and busted the door open with one angry swipe of its enormous arm and bounded out. The door slammed back, hanging crookedly by one bent hinge. Mac didn't move. She began to sob. She didn't know if she was crying out of fear or sorrow or if it was for Giles or herself. She hugged her knees, put her head down, and let the tears come. At some point, Mac must have fallen asleep. She awoke to the cold gray first light of dawn, still on the floor of Giles' cabin. The door still hung loosely by one hinge, letting the icy October air inside. And yet, she was aware of the cold but not bothered by it. At her back, down her legs, surrounding her, she felt something incredibly soft and deliciously warm. Fur? She didn't recall Giles owning a fur blanket. She reached back with one hand and tentatively felt for what it was. As she awoke fully, she realized it was a solid form. Giles. It was Giles' own body, still huge and covered in fur, that enveloped her in warmth. She felt his chest expanding against her back with each hot breath. He was asleep. Strange, she would have guessed werewolves just turned back into humans when they fell asleep. Mac very much wanted to stay in that fur. How much more luxurious would it feel against her bare skin? But after last night, no. It was time to leave. Very slowly and carefully, Max slid out from under his great arm. She turned to look at him. The beast's face looked nothing like Giles and yet it somehow reminded her of him. He had thick gray and white fur, with black markings on his face and pointed ears. It was a terrible, monstrous face that bore only passing resemblance to ordinary gray wolves, but she found herself appreciating its strange beauty. It almost made her smile. Mac couldn't help herself. She reached out and very lightly touched his face. Her fingers stroked the fur on top of his head, then down one shoulder. She quickly pulled her hand back, taking care not to wake him up. She retrieved the blanket from his bed and placed it over him. He would be pretty cold if he woke up later on the floor, completely naked. I love you, Giles, she whispered. Without pausing to look back, Mac headed out the door. Her parents would freak. She never stayed out all night, not even when she'd been dating Connor. It was completely unlike her. As Mac drove home, she prayed her parents hadn't called anyone to report her missing. She didn't know what excuse she'd give them. It hardly mattered anymore, she realized. Mac soon reached home, parked her truck outside, and headed in. Upstairs, she found her bedroom door open. Her mother was sitting on the side of her bed. Andrea wore a long nightgown, warm bathrobe, and slippers. It was obvious by her tired expression that she'd gotten very little sleep, if any. Mom? A knot of worry twisted in the bottom of Mac's stomach. I hope you weren't up all night waiting for me. 
she started. Andrea didn't look up. Her attention was focused on something in her hands. I made excuses to your father for you. I told him you were at a friend's house. I assumed that much was true. To Max's surprise, her mother didn't sound angry. Her voice was merely soft and restrained. She'd probably been rehearsing for hours what she wanted to say when her daughter finally walked in the door. I wanted him to get some sleep. I thought I'd get the full story from you before we talked to him. Mac had no idea what to say. She opened her mouth to answer, but her mother held out her hand, showing her the pregnancy test Mac had used the day before. I emptied out the trash cans last night. I noticed this, Andrea explained. She looked worriedly on her daughter's face. Is this accurate? Max felt her stomach drop. She nodded. Andrea placed the use device into the bin next to Max's end table. She held out her arms to her daughter, waiting for a hug. Mac hesitated, then rushed forward. In one movement, she sat down and let her mother embrace her, returning the hug with a tight squeeze of her own. She didn't let go. Mom, I'm so sorry. Don't be. Andrea whispered over her daughter's shoulder. Well, obviously this isn't ideal, but it's happening. I don't want you to be sorry for having a child. Andrea pulled back to look into her daughter's eyes and smiled. Max smiled too, not without guilt. Thank you? Andrea humphed. So this is what you've been up to all this time? I wondered. You noticed? Andrea shot her daughter an incredulous look. Extra long shifts at the park every day? Disappearing for hours without explanation? That blissful look on your face whenever you thought I wasn't looking? I wasn't sure of who it was but I knew something was up. Mac groaned. She rubbed her nose. I thought I was being so smart about it. Andrea snorted. She asked. So who is it? Mac looked away and shook her head. I, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about that part yet. Is that okay? Not really, no. There was a pause, then both of them laughed tiredly. Andrea added. It would be nice to know who my grandchild's father is. Mac nodded and looked at her hands. I know. You deserve an answer. It's just, he doesn't know yet. Last night was kind of a disaster. We had a fight. Sort of. Andrea reached for her daughter's hand. Do you need to talk about it? I'm here. I can listen. Yes. But not yet. Mac winced at her mother, watching her face for any loss of the patient understanding she was showing her. Andrea nodded, not entirely content, but a faint smile on her face anyway. She rubbed her daughter's back and stood up. I'll try to give you some time. But not too much, okay? I don't like the idea of keeping a secret from your father, especially not one like this. Mac nodded. She'd already resigned herself to what would happen. I know. Get a shower and get some sleep. You'll feel better. And if you feel sick, try to eat half a piece of dry toast. Morning sickness is worse when your stomach is empty. Andrea gave her daughter a knowing smile. Mom? Yes? I love you. Mac hoped her words conveyed the deep gratefulness she felt. I love you too. Andrea's smile warmed. Giles woke up with a headache. He peered at his surroundings. It looked like late morning or possibly midday. He was naked on the floor and covered with his own blanket. What had he done last night? The last thing he remembered clearly was turning into a werewolf. And Mac terrified of him. He'd been so angry with her. Giles sat up, frantic, and scanned for any signs of blood. Oh God, what if he'd hurt her? He was good at controlling his changes and keeping his mind intact, but it was irresponsible to have done what he did. 
Experience was no guarantee that something wouldn't go wrong. The door hung oddly from when he'd smashed it, but there was no other indication any other violence had taken place. Giles looked at the blanket. As a werewolf, he would never have covered himself with a blanket before lying down. Only Mac could have done that. After everything he'd said and done last night, she still cared about him. Giles felt his face burn with shame that he tried to recall everything else that had happened. She came here to tell him something. And there was an important detail he'd wanted to remember from his wolf state. But what? Something about Mac. He put a hand to his forehead and closed his eyes. No, it was no good. It was like trying to recall a fever dream that slipped away the harder you tried to hold on to it that didn't matter. Giles did recall the decision he'd made last night. He would go elsewhere. It was too painful to stay here. It was agony to remain so close to Max and yet be unable to have her. As much as he cared for her, he couldn't be here when she moved on with her life. He couldn't watch her fall in love and have kids with some other man, even someone worthy to have her. No, there was no one here who needed him around. His sister had her own life with her husband and her two younger kids. And after the argument he'd had with her yesterday, he was pretty sure she didn't care to see him any time soon. Maybe he'd send her a postcard. At least he'd say goodbye to Carson before he left. It would leave too many questions if he didn't. But the real reason he needed to go over there was that he owed Mac a big apology. Giles put off going to Carson's house until late that afternoon, when he knew everyone would be home. As soon as he got out of his truck, he could hear his friend's voice coming from behind the house. Carson sounded furious. Giles frowned in confusion. The Innes family never had arguments. Not the yelling kind, anyway. Giles went in by the garage door by force of habit. Unbelievable! Carson threw his hands up and paced. His nostrils flared and his face reddened. Giles had only seen his friend like this a couple of times, once when both parties in a dispute over a fence refused every one of his proposed solutions, and another time when some teenagers hit his parked car, causing a couple thousand dollars in damage. Andrea and Max stood nearby, watching Carson pace. Andrea held her own hands tightly enough to turn her knuckles white. Max's shoulders drooped but she kept her face neutral. She focused mostly on the ground. Andrea, unlike her husband, spoke in softer tones. Carson, please. If you'll just... She spotted Giles as he entered and her shoulders drooped with sudden relief. Oh, thank God. Maybe you can calm him down. Max's eyes widened as she glanced up. Her whole body tensed up. She took half a step in Giles' direction darted a glance at her father, then stopped. Giles gave Mac a sidelong look as he approached. He'd have to talk to her privately later. In the meantime, he hoped she could read embarrassment in his expression. He focused his attention on Carson and Andrea, glancing between them. What's going on? Andrea opened her mouth to explain, but Carson interrupted her. What's going on? My family has no respect for me and I have zero authority in my own house. That's what's going on. Of course we respect you, Andrea countered. You're not listening to. In the background, Mac opened her mouth to say something, but was ignored by all parties. Carson shot back at his wife. Really? Because I don't feel respected right now. I feel like what I want doesn't count for anything. Meanwhile, I'm the one who is expected to support everyone else's irresponsible decisions. He shot an angry look at Mac. Giles laid a heavy hand on his friend's shoulder. Hey. Carson. Start from the beginning. What happened? Carson, unwilling to be calmed right now, rolled his shoulder and paced away from Giles. He turned to face him. Mackenzie is pregnant. 
the air in Zhao's lungs suddenly stopped altogether, the same as though he'd just taken a punch to the gut that winded him. His heart pounded, quick and shallow, in his chest. His face went pale. He looked to Mac. Mac met his gaze too. Her expression pleaded with him, but Giles couldn't tell what she might be asking. He wanted to go to her, to hug her and tell her. Well, he didn't know what to tell her. He just wanted to hold her right now. He could hear Carson continuing to rant, but he didn't even try to focus on the words. Andrea gasped and put a hand over her mouth. She saw. She comprehended the look shared between Giles and Mac and suddenly, everything made sense to her. Carson paced and continued to argue his case. And now Mackenzie won't name the father and Andrea is supporting her in this. I just can't believe. Giles dropped his gaze a little, addressing Carson without looking at him directly. Carson. I'm being treated like this after, Carson. Everything I do for this family. I don't ask for much. I just want, Carson. Giles looked at his distraught friend. He worked his jaw, a nervous tick. Carson stopped moving. He stared at Giles in utter confusion. What? Andrea continued to watch in shocked silence. Giles opened his mouth to say something, closed it, and tried again. He just needed a moment to put the words together in the right order. He had to say just the right thing. The longer he took, the faster and more irregularly his heart seemed to race. Carson watched him and began to take note of his friend's nervousness. A dawning realization spread over his features. Carson's face slowly transformed from righteous anger to cold disgust. He repeatedly shook his head. No. No, you. Carson worked up his fingers and balled up his fists. He paced away, then turned back again. Then he pulled his arm back and swung wide, as hard and as fast as he could, aiming for Giles' jaw. Mac instinctively put her hands out. Stop! She gasped as the punch connected. Andrea clapped her hands over her mouth to stop a scream and froze. Her husband had just punched a man who could turn into a werewolf. It didn't matter that it was Giles. It was still a wildly dangerous thing to do. Giles saw the hit coming long before Carson's arm ever pulled back. He put his palms up in a futile effort to ask his friend to back down. It didn't work. Giles didn't exactly stand still for the punch, but he didn't make a big effort to dodge it either. It would have been simple enough for him to step out of the way. Instead, Giles let the hit land solidly on his jaw, snapping his head a little to one side. His friend didn't really know how to throw a punch, but there was fury behind it. Giles turned his head back and rubbed the spot. Yeah. He deserved that. Carson spoke in a whisper that was dangerously calm. Get the hell out of my house. And don't come back. Giles glanced over at Mac. He gave her a long look, full of anguish. So that's why she'd come by his place last night. And instead of giving her comfort and reassurances, he turned into a big, bad wolf and frightened the hell out of her. A punch was the least he deserved. His pained look offered Mac a wordless apology. He then dropped his gaze to the ground, turned away, and left. Mac watched him in disbelief. He wasn't really going to leave, was he? Not with what he knew now. She took a few running steps after him. Giles! As he disappeared out the front door, she just watched with her mouth open. Watching him go felt like a knife twisting in her chest. She turned back to her parents and stared at them. The moment her mom stepped in to wrap her in a hug, Mac burst into tears. Andrea knocked on her daughter's bedroom door and opened it. She carried a steaming mug in one hand. I brought tea. Mac sat on the bed with her feet on the floor. She wasn't sure she wanted anything right now, but she gladly accepted the tea. 
She wrapped both hands around the mug and breathed in the scent of chamomile. Her mother's presence in the room was as warm and comforting as the cup in her hands. It seemed like they had been at odds her whole life. Now she was a champion in her corner. Her mom sat down next to her. It was just the two of them in the house right now. Carson had gotten into his car and driven off without a word about where he was going. So, Giles, Andrea nodded. I don't know why I didn't see it. Mac had no answer to that. She looked down at the tea. Her mother looked at her. You love him. There was no question in her words, just a simple statement. I did. Mac's cheek twitched. Giles' sudden and wordless departure still felt like an open wound. I don't even know anymore. How can you love someone who walks out on you when he finds out you're pregnant? Andrea put a hand on her daughter's back. She shook her head. Everyone's emotions are high right now. He won't stay away. Max studied her mother's face. She sounded so certain. I don't think you've given up on him either. Andrea added. You've adored him forever. Don't think I never noticed your crush on him when you were younger. Pretty obvious, huh? Well, to me. She nudged Mac with her elbow and winked. Not that I blame you. He's a very good-looking man. Mac laughed, in spite of her current mood. Mom! You're married! And you're talking about the father of my child. You're not supposed to notice that kind of stuff. Andrea smirked. What? I know who's handsome and who isn't. Besides, I was engaged to him once. Mac sputtered and nearly choked on her tea. What? Andrea grinned at her daughter's reaction. Nothing happened. It was just an arrangement. My family sent me up here for Giles, not your father. I think at that time, Giles was trying to fit in, do what was expected of him. I could tell he didn't really want to get married. She squinted, trying to remember details. I don't even think he ever kissed me. Your father sure did, though. It was love at first sight. Mac blinked. Dad kissed you while you were still engaged to another man? To his best friend? Andrea pursed her mouth and smiled coyly. There was chemistry between us, something that never existed between me and Giles. So what happened? Mac was fully engrossed in the story now, her own troubles forgotten for the moment. From what I understand, Andrea explained, your father told Giles about his feelings for me two nights before the wedding. Things were tense. You have to understand, these two men have always been best friends and now some woman was coming between them. But Giles, he knew what to do. He showed up the morning of the wedding while I was still getting ready. He confronted me about the kiss, asked how I felt about Carson. I should have been too scared to admit anything, but Giles has this way of making you trust him. So I told him the truth. I told him I had kissed Carson and there had been a few moments of tension, but I didn't know how your father felt about me. So Giles arranged for me to eavesdrop while he pestered your father with very specific questions. Your poor father sounded so heartbroken. She pouted, recalling the memory with amusement. Mac pouted too. Ah. Andrea shook her head and laughed. Mind you, during all of this, I'm in my wedding dress, hiding behind the bushes, and I was turning into the happiest emotional wreck while I listened to your father pour his heart out, thinking we'd never be together. Mac grinned, eyebrows raised, and waited for the next part. Andrea continued. So once your father spilled everything, Giles asked me to come out. He asked if I'd heard enough. I'll never forget the look on your father's face. Absolute shock. Then Giles removed the flower on his suit, pinned it on your father's lapel, and said, Looks like we're still having a wedding today. Mac laughed. Wait, that's how you married dad? That same day? Andrea laughed too.
Hmm. Ten minutes later. Giles had to remind your father he might want to actually propose to me before we went in for the ceremony. So right there, outside the church, he got down on one knee. Giles became our best man. He's been part of the family ever since. Oh my god! Max shook her head in disbelief, still laughing. Why have I never heard this story? Andrea shrugged one shoulder. I think we were waiting until you were old enough. Then it just never came up. It was a long time ago. She paused, then said, The reason I mention it now is because I want you to know that that's the kind of man Giles is. He wants the best for everyone. He'll be back. Max's mouth twitched. Trying to sort out her feelings for Giles was becoming complicated. She loved him, but there was guilt too. She hated the idea of forcing him into something he didn't truly want. I hope you're right. Her father took longer to accept what had happened. He'd returned later that night, with no word of where he'd gone. Mac was in bed with the lights off, unable to sleep, when she heard his car pull up. The next day, after tamping down her morning sickness, Max sat curled up on the sofa with a notebook and pen in hand. She heard her father rattling around in the kitchen. She knew it was him because whoever was in there hadn't said a word. After a while, he approached her in the living room and pulled up the ottoman to sit facing her. Hey. He leaned forward, with his elbows on his legs, and kept his voice soft. Hey, Dad. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They said the words at the same time. Carson shook his head. Don't be sorry. This is all my fault. I let him into our home. I should have protected you. Mac tilted her head, then realized what her father was inferring. Oh. Oh, God, no. Dad, it's not like that. She felt her face turning warmer and glanced upward. I'm the one who started it. Carson took a moment to process what she was saying. The guilt never left his face. When did it start? She really did not want to discuss details with him, but Mac also understood her father needed reassurance. A couple of months ago, she confessed. I went out to his cabin. Dad, I promise you, I was the one who wanted this. I thought I could fix things. What do you mean? Carson straightened up, listening. Mac waved her pen. After Connor died and everything went wrong, I had to do something. I thought becoming Giles' mate was the perfect solution. Instead, I just made things worse. I should have been honest from the start. But I don't regret a thing. I really don't. Carson shook his head. No, he should stop this before it started. If he'd been the responsible adult, Dad, I am also an adult. Max sat up straighter and met her father's gaze directly. Her father put up a hand. I'm sorry. I know you're legally an adult. I didn't mean to imply you were immature. I just meant that Giles is a 43-year-old man. He should have known better. Mac calmly stood up and tucked her notebook under her arm. She felt like yelling but she knew her father was still trying to come to terms with everything. She couldn't imagine how he must be feeling right now. I'm sorry I screwed up. I know it's difficult for you to think of me as anything but your little girl and I still have a lot to learn. I just keep making mistakes. I've done that my whole life and I'll probably keep screwing up until I'm an old lady. But right now, I can't focus on how sorry I am. I have to keep moving forward. I have a child of my own to worry about. She looked at the floor, then back at her father. Quietly, she added, I think I'm going to go upstairs and finish working on this. What is it? She looked at the notebook. List of things I need to do, for the pregnancy, and before the baby comes. Make doctor appointments, find furniture, clothes. Carson nodded. 
His mouth remained turned down and tightly pressed together. He got up and held out his arms, offering a hug. Mac leaned in and squeezed him, grateful and relieved. You'll be okay. We'll take care of you. You two will have everything you need. He kissed her forehead. Mac stepped back and smiled. Thanks, Dad. That means a lot to me. As she left, she passed her mother standing in the doorway to the kitchen. She gave her a self-conscious smile. Her mother patted her. Carson looked to his wife. He didn't have any words. The look they shared was enough. Worry, regret, happiness. Andrea looked over her shoulder at the stairway and wandered over to her husband. She softly folded her arms. I believe her, by the way. You do? You know our daughter. You know Giles. Do you really think this whole thing was his idea? She asked this with one knowing eyebrow raised, unable to stop the corner of her mouth curling up into a resigned smirk. Giles sat at the foot of his bed, slumped forward, with his head in his hands. He felt the cramp growing in one foot, but he didn't move it. After a while, he lifted his hand to his face and used thumb and forefinger to wipe away the tears that threatened to fall. He sniffed once. Slowly, he rose from his spot and pulled off his clothes. Once free of the last of it, Giles stepped out onto the porch. His bare feet touched the layer of snow that had fallen in the last few days. Snowflakes landed on his hair and lashes and bare shoulders. He had no friends. He and his sister didn't even get along. Mackenzie, she, and the child would be better off without him. Giles embraced a hard truth, one he'd avoided his entire life. He couldn't cut it as a human. He was a brute, a beast. A wolf. So why not go where he belonged? Life made more sense in the animal world. October passed, then part of November. Mac never tried to go to Giles' cabin. Pride and pain kept her away. She found the idea of forcing him to pay attention to her repulsive. Eventually, pain hardened into boldness. She would raise this child on her own and she would not look back. Today, she bundled herself up and sat out back, idly watching for the occasional caribou or moose. She sometimes she felt the sensation of being watched in return, as though the woods themselves yearned to understand her. Mac heard a car approaching the front of the house, a knock at the door, then voices. Curious, she went inside. Connor's mother, Laura, stood in the kitchen along with Mac's parents. She folded her hands together and squeezed tightly. I just don't know what to do. Mac hesitantly entered the kitchen. Laura spotted her immediately. Her expression showed a surprising amount of sympathy and concern. The corners of Laura's mouth twitched briefly in a worried smile. When's the last time you saw him? Andrea put an arm around Laura's shoulders. Laura shook her head. The beginning of October. We'd had an argument. I think it was before, um, before he knew about Mac's pregnancy. She dropped her gaze and sighed. I went out to the cabin to ask if he still wanted to come to our house for the holidays. It was empty. The door was open and there's snow all over the floor. His truck is covered too. I think something has happened to him. She asked softly, looking at Andrea. You don't think he'd hurt himself, do you? Carson spoke up. I tried to see him a couple of times in October. This comment got a look of surprise from Mac. He wasn't there. I gave up after the second visit. I figured if he couldn't be bothered to. He shot a brief glance at his daughter. Well, I don't want him around here anyway. Mackenzie lifted her chin and looked off to one side. She would not go back to crying over the way Giles just took off. Even if he didn't want to come by the house, he could have called her. Laura looked around the room from face to face. He might have been missing this whole time? She held her stomach. Oh God. This is my fault. Andrea hugged her, 
Carson sighed. You're not responsible for this. I'll handle it. He gave Laura's upper arm a squeeze, then turned to Andrea. Han, I've got to make a call. Laura nodded, distraught, as she watched him go upstairs. She smiled a little at Andrea, then turned to Mac. Would you, um, would you walk with me to my car? Her eyes looked pleadingly at the younger woman. Mac frowned nervously, but nodded and followed her. Sure. Once outside, Laura stopped at the car door and looked down at her shoes. I owe you an apology. I'm so sorry for the things I said. Mac shook her head. It's okay. You were really upset. You had every right to be. I still feel responsible for what happened to Connor. Laura sighed and looked into Mac's eyes. Her own begged for forgiveness. You didn't do anything wrong. Giles told me everything about you and Connor. I know it was no great love affair, but you two did care about each other. I know how close you were. Her mouth turned down in pain at the reality of her son's death. She shook her head. I didn't know. I didn't know about the attack, about how he defended you, about how long you sat with him. Mac quickly wrapped her arms around Laura and held on. If she stayed out here with her much longer, they'd both start crying. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry he's gone. She hesitated, then added, I'm sorry we weren't in love. Laura pulled back and smiled at her. It's okay. These things don't always work out. She lightly touched her hand to Mac's stomach and smiled. Take care of yourself. That's my little niece or nephew you're carrying. She turned to pull the car door open. Oh, and I still have some baby things in storage. Maybe, maybe you could come by for Thanksgiving and see if you could use any of it? Mac beamed. Yes, thank you. I will. See you soon. The huge gray wolf that was once Giles prowled on all fours along the forest floor. No one who had ever seen a wolf could mistake this for one of the ordinary kind. It was too large, its back too broad, its forelegs too long, its forepaws too much like hands. Hunger prompted the wolf to sniff out faint tracks in the snow. Caribou. Male. Older. No longer near but close enough to follow. Something else mingled with the smell. It drifted to him through the trees from somewhere upwind. He raised his great, shaggy head. His black nostrils twitched as he studied the scent. Man. No, not man. Something else. The gray wolf growled low and harsh in its throat and narrowed its eyes. Someone was in his territory. And he knew exactly who it was that he padded softly through the snow, keeping low to the ground and making as little noise as possible. It wasn't long before he spotted his target. A huge white wolf with pale, ice-blue eyes watched him with a challenging gaze from a clearing just beyond. How dare he show himself here? What did he want? Food? Mate? Both? The gray one launched himself forward with a vicious, defiant roar. White met the challenge with his own, charging at his attacker. The two titans clashed in the middle of the clearing in a furious mess of fur and fangs. Droplets of blood splattered over the pure white snow. Gray had size and power on his side but White had speed. White dodged at every opportunity, avoiding blows by circling around and under. Gray whirled around and chomped at him in frustration. White took off, running as fast as his long legs would carry him. Gray pursued. His fury would not be sated until White was dead. Gray snapped and snarled, nipping at White's heels whenever he seemed close enough to sink his fangs into foot or tail. The chase followed a twisting path downhill through the trees. Once clear of them, White leaped into the air and landed solidly several feet away. Gray stayed low and fast and maintained his thunderous pace. Suddenly, Gray felt something grab his hind foot. It snapped painfully tight, then yanked him straight up into the air. 
He thrashed and howled as he tried to free himself, twisting up to swipe at whatever was holding him. Zhao's head hurt. It was a strange, swollen, uncomfortable feeling. His foot felt strangely numb, and something pinched horribly around his ankle. He swung back and forth from that extremity, trying to make sense of the upside-down world he was seeing. Giles struggled, panicking as he began to awake fully. Trapped. Caught. Danger. White's fault. Where was White? Kill White. Good, you're awake. Ryan approached, but kept his distance, because the moment Giles saw him, he violently pawed the air with both arms, trying to grab at him. It was futile. Giles blinked at him, trying to in vain to turn his head right side up to see him correctly. He gave up and allowed himself to hang limply, arms pointed toward the ground. He was suspended by a cold steel cable, held taut from a solid tree branch at least thirty feet overhead. Ryan walked forward. Unlike Giles, he was fully clothed and appeared quite comfortable. Behind him was a small campfire. Ryan stepped up and smacked Giles on the face a few times. Hey, wake up. You in there? Say something. Giles growled like an animal, though it was nothing like the growls he'd made earlier as a wolf. He blinked a few times, seemed to come to his senses, then grabbed Ryan's wrist and held on. If you're gonna kill me, you'd better do it quick. If I get down from here first, you're dead. Ryan leaned in, nose to nose with the hanged man. If I was going to kill you, I could have done it while you were passed out, idiot. Maybe you wanted to gloat. Ryan twisted his hand away and walked back toward the fire. Fine, hang there as long as you like. You can't shift for a while and you'll probably lose the foot. An injury like that won't regenerate. Why not save yourself time and gnaw it off? Giles grunted as he repeatedly raised himself up and tried to pull the snare off of his foot. His icy fingers couldn't seem to grab onto the metal that pulled tightly against his bloodied, bruised skin. That's half-inch braided steel cable, by the way. Good luck with that. Ryan remarked as he pulled a coffee pot out of his pack. Giles, too tired and annoyed to bother freeing himself, went limp again. Would you just get me the hell down? Ryan didn't bother to look up. He scooped a large amount of untouched snow into the coffee pot and set it on to boil. Only if you promise not to attack me or run off. I'm tired, I've been tracking you for over a week, and you're making me miss my first holiday with my kid. Giles felt a pang of regret in his gut. Fine. I won't run off. There was a pause. Come on, my ankle is killing me and my balls are swinging in the wind. And getting frostbite. Ryan sighed, rose from his spot, and walked over behind a tree. I really ought to just drop you. He muttered. But I don't think you could afford to lose any more brain cells. He unclamped the cable, unwound it from the stakes holding it in place, and lowered Giles to the ground. Once the naked man was safely down, Ryan pulled a blanket roll from the bottom of one of his bags and tossed it to him. Giles sat in the snow and rubbed his ankle and foot, trying to restore circulation. He grabbed the insulated blanket and wrapped it around himself before hobbling over to the campfire. Ryan pulled out a second folding stool and set it up for him. Thanks. Giles grumbled, not without a little sheepishness. Ryan allowed a silence to settle while the melted snow boiled in the pot. Do you have any idea how long you've been out here? Giles shrugged. A few weeks, maybe. His body shivered under the blanket as it fought off the chill. It's been almost two months since anyone has seen you. How long were you planning on staying? Giles shrugged. Wasn't going back. This is where I belong. Ryan shot him a look. His expression didn't seem to hold much regard for the older man. You never struck me as the irresponsible type until all of this. You could have lost your mind completely. 
It's not safe to stay a wolf for that long. Eventually you forget you're human at all. I know, Giles answered. No big loss. It's the human half of me that doesn't belong anywhere. And how did you plan to control the wolf without the human to rule it? You were going feral. Bullshit. I was fine. Giles tucked his good foot up a little more, keeping both inside the blanket and off the snow. Do you even remember our fight a little while ago? You would have murdered me. And you never would have fallen for that. Ryan said, jabbing a finger at the snare hanging from the tree. If you'd been in full possession of your mind. Only animals get caught in snares. He pulled the pot off the fire, poured coffee grounds to the percolator, and put it back to simmer again. Giles didn't have an answer. He raised one eyebrow. What was your plan if I missed the snare? Ryan yawned. Lead you to the ravine beyond that hill. It would have been up to you to survive the fall. Even then, I couldn't have let a wild werewolf run around loose up here. Eventually, someone would have stumbled into your territory, and you would have killed them. And that would have endangered all of us. Both of them fell silent for a while and just stared into the fire. Once the coffee was done, Ryan poured a cup for Giles and took one for himself. It was the pack leader who broke the silence. So, you found out you were going to be a father and just took off, huh? Abandoned your mate and child without even a goodbye. I really thought you were a better man than that. He stared into the fire, jaw locked. Giles huddled over the enameled metal coffee cup, stealing every bit of warmth from it he could get. His own gaze was hollow as he stared mournfully into the flames. They're better off without me. Really? Ryan, dressed as he was in proper gear, sipped his own coffee casually. Then I guess you won't mind if I take Mackenzie and her child into my household. She can serve my wife. I'm sure Lily would love to have someone scrub the floors. Giles darted a harsh, angry glance at the other man. He knew Ryan was baiting him, but the idea still made his guts twist with dark jealousy. Ryan met his errant werewolf's glare with a mild look of his own. He examined the fire again and remarked, Are you aware that you went to her house? What? Giles wrinkled his brow in confusion. I stopped by Mackenzie's place before I set out to track you. I spoke to her, he explained. She said she sometimes felt like she was being watched, so I searched and found your tracks in the trees out behind the house. Giles suddenly recalled the memory, more emotion than clear thought. He'd watched her mournfully from afar. He recalled the deep longing he felt, wanting to be with his mate, who would soon be heavy with his cub. She was so close and yet a world away. Giles spoke again, quietly this time. I'm afraid I'll hurt them. I feel it so strongly sometimes, that rage, I know. Ryan replied. He said it with dark certainty. It's the same for me. For all of us. You know this. We all struggle with control. It's why we train the way we do. It's why we form pacts and alliances. We control the wolf. It does not control us. Giles shook his head. You know my family's history, who I'm descended from. I'm sure my sister told you about our father. What if that's just a part of who I am? I already screwed things up once with Max. I can't risk doing that again. Yeah, I asked how you were before you disappeared. She told me about you trying to scare her off. This was in private, by the way. Her parents didn't hear that part. Ryan grimly assessed the other man. He then shrugged. So you made a mistake. Make it up to her. I think she'll forgive you. And might I remind you, we share ancestors. Giles looked at him, bemused. We do? I thought you knew, the man answered. We have the same great-great-grandfather. Or something like that. 
Giles shook his head and filed this information away. I didn't know. My father may not have beaten me, Ryan added, but he sure as hell wasn't easy to live with. He took a belt to my backside more times than I can remember. I was never good enough for him. Are all werewolves just assholes? Giles listened, his attention on the dwindling amount of coffee in his cup. Ryan raised one eyebrow and looked sidelong at Giles. You think I am? I'm just an asshole to you. I love my family. I'll never make my kid feel like he's not good enough. Giles silently considered this. He leaned over and collected the fire poker from where it leaned against the cooking frame, then used it to turn one log. Is he a wolf? I forgot to ask. Ryan refilled his coffee. Yeah, thanks for the congratulations on my child's birth, by the way. And no, he's not. Doesn't matter to me that he isn't. Giles wrapped the blanket tighter. I was, there was a lot going on. And I didn't think you'd care to hear from me anyway. Congratulations. I am happy for you. Sorry I didn't say so sooner. You had a lot going on. Ryan echoed derisively, his grin pulled up on one side. More like you were too busy boning a hot little redhead to think of anything else. Your mate has a body that could set a man on fire. There's no way you only hit that once. He raised his coffee to his lips, then stopped and squinted his eyes. Now that I think about it, I think you were already hitting that when we grilled you about it at the pack meeting. Giles shot Ryan an offended look but also tried hard not to smile. He sidestepped the last comment. She's beautiful. She's a good woman. Ryan remarked. She'll be a great mother. The only way you could fail her is by not being there for her. She needs you. Your kid needs you. Don't let them down. They deserve better than that. He waved his hand, gesturing at the expanse of wilderness that surrounded them. Or you could stay out here forever and spend the rest of your sorry existence in self-pity. Giles pictured Max with a baby in her arms. He pictured her raising a child without him. He thought of never seeing her again, of never seeing his child grow up. A sting of remorse stabbed through his chest. He realized now that being out here was insanity, that there was no way he could let her go through this all alone. It was time to go home. Seeing the change in his expression, Ryan grabbed a duffel bag and tossed it to Giles. Your clothes. Giles murmured a thanks and took the bag. He sighed. There's just one problem. Her father is still pretty pissed at me. Not that I blame him. Ryan raised an eyebrow. Who do you think asked me to find you? Mac laid on her side on the bed. An old paperback that had once belonged to her grandmother, a guide to local birds, held her focus. Ordinary facts and numbers helped her remain grounded. She heard a door open downstairs and people talking. Probably Ryan returning. Mac hugged her pillow a little tighter. She should go downstairs and learn what he found, if anything. She couldn't. She didn't want to know. Once she knew for certain Giles was never returning, or worse, if something happened to him, footsteps sounded on the stairs, soft and heavy, too heavy to be her father's. The door to her room opened. A large, familiar figure filled her doorway. Giles! Mac sat up in astonishment. He sat down on the bed and wrapped his arms around her. Mac held on tight. Before she could say anything, Giles whispered, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Mac kissed him sweetly, just pressing her lips to his, while she held on to his stubble cheeks. Giles returned the kiss with equal affection, then peppered more kisses all over her face and neck. Mac closed her eyes and laughed with relief through a few tears. Giles held her close. I love you so much. You're everything to me. I know I'm not. He said it. He said the words. 
a few more tears fell. The words thrilled her, sending a glow through her chest that warmed her to her very center. She shushed him with more kisses and squeezed her arms around his waist. I love you, Giles. She loved him. Giles smiled at finally hearing her say it. The words lightened his heart. This was what he never realized he wanted. This was what completed him, what made his life make sense. Are you sure you still want me after the way I acted? Do you plan on doing that again? Mac asked with a faint smile, knowing what the answer would be. Wolfing out on me, running away? Giles shook his head. He held her chin with thumb and forefinger as he gazed into her eyes. Never. I'm yours for as long as you want me. She smiled at him with trust shining in her eyes. Giles was there for her, just as he always had been, just as he always would be. They married simply, just an exchange of oaths and a legal signing, which suited Mackenzie and Giles just fine. More important to him, to both of them, was claiming his mate in the eyes of the pack. Soon, when the snows began to melt and the first pack meeting of the year took place, he would make it official. There was no way around the awkwardness of the next several months. Mac had insisted she'd be fine living with Giles at his cabin. Her mother had pointed out that a pregnant woman would be much more comfortable with indoor plumbing and central heating. Giles, unwilling to leave Mac's side, ended up making her room into their room. Giles and Carson spoke only a little to one another, both of them finding excuses to leave the room when the other was around, but they were civil. After a time, Mackenzie even noticed occasional flashes of their old friendship, sometimes in an exchange of words or a shared laugh. These things gave her hope that her father would soon forgive Giles' dot on days when the weather wasn't so bad. Giles and Mac escaped to his place for time alone. Their lovemaking became gentler for a while, all soft movements and tender touches under the blankets that enveloped them in warmth against the snow outside. Giles also became completely fascinated by her growing belly. His favorite moments were when the two of them just sprawled out together on the bed. He could run his hands over her bare skin and feel the tiny movements of his child within. He planted warm kisses over the swell of her stomach and spoke softly to the young one on the way, telling him or her about all the things they would experience when they finally arrived. Mac treasured these moments just as much. She thought she couldn't fall more in love with him than she already had. She was wrong. The following May turned out to be milder than usual. The skies cleared and the sun warmed everything it touched. When it came time for the final stages of Mackenzie's labor, Giles sat behind her on the hospital bed supporting her back against his chest. She crushed his fingers in a solid grip as he whispered words of encouragement in her ear. Later, when he held his child in his arms, he suddenly understood that all of his fears had been for nothing. The new life he held in his arms was so tiny, so delicate. He knew there was no way he could ever see this little thing come to harm. He would protect her from anything, as some day she would protect others. Their daughter, Miranda, was born in the call. While this was no guarantee that she would be a werewolf, the odds were in favor. On their first day home from the hospital, Giles sat in his favorite spot on the back porch of the Innes home. Well, now his home too. Mackenzie and his new daughter napped upstairs, both of them curled on one side and facing each other, mother on the bed, baby in a bassinet. When he'd left them, Max had her hand in Miranda's bed, so that her tiny hand could keep hold of her mother's finger in a strong grip that he smiled to himself and took a deep, relieved breath. The storm had passed, and he'd made it through to the calm on the other side. He wondered at the man he used to be, miserable and withdrawn, getting through each day with smiles he didn't truly feel. Max had been right. She needed him. And he needed her just as much. Carson wordlessly joined him on the porch, sitting down next to him with a beer in each hand. 
While still keeping his gaze on the trees beyond, he passed one bottle to Giles. Giles accepted it with silent thanks. He twisted the top off and took a sip. The two of them had been friends for so many years that there was no need to say anything. He immediately felt the warmth of their old kinship return. You love her. Carson observed, then glanced at his friend. I mean, I knew this, but I didn't really understand until yesterday. I watched you hold her hand. The way you looked at her, I love her more than I ever thought possible. Giles answered quietly. Carson merely nodded, though the hint of a smile turned up at the corners of his mouth. He gestured toward the field beyond. You know the blue house down that road? It turns out the Smiths were open to selling. They want to live near family in Florida. Oh? It's a nice house. It needs some fixing up, but it's nothing you and I can handle. It has some old wallpaper that needs to come down, sanding the kitchen cabinets, maybe a new porch. Giles raised an eyebrow. You think I should buy it? It sounds nice. I'm sure Max would love to live near you guys, especially with the baby. It's just that, even if I sell the cabin, I don't know if I can afford. Carson shrugged. I already bought it. That, and the land between that house and here. No one else can build on it. You and Mac just need to sign and it's yours in about a month. Giles' jaw dropped. Carson, I... Words failed him. Instead, he said simply, Thank you? Carson grinned. Don't worry. You'll be paying me back. I've got it all worked out. Giles laughed. He raised his beard to Carson, who lifted his own in salute, and the two of them just sat in friendly silence for a while. Eventually, Carson remarked. Huh. A daughter. What are you gonna do if, when she's eighteen or nineteen, some guy over twice her age starts nosing around? I'd fucking kill him. Carson laughed. Giles laughed too and shook his head. Shut it, Grandpa. Three weeks later, Giles stood before the council rather than sitting with them. His seat remained empty, waiting for him. Max stood at his side, holding tiny Miranda, who was swaddled in a light blanket against her mother's chest. Ryan, seated at the center of the half-circle, smiled with approval as he observed the couple and child. Giles stepped forward and knelt before the council. Behind Giles and Mac were her family, Giles' family, and at least a hundred other people, all watching in glad reverence. I, Giles Lanier of Black Ear, claim Mackenzie Innes of Red Paw. Epilogue Mac grinned at the sound of the guitar before she'd even opened the front door. The music was fast and silly, accompanied by a kid's happy squeals. Giles had taken up playing again, something he'd picked up as a teenager to impress girls. It was certainly impressing one little girl. Hey! I'm home! Mac dropped her pile of textbooks on a counter. She knelt down and held her arms out. Miranda, now two and a half, was busy dancing around with a pink tutu over her jeans when her mom walked in. The little girl with strawberry red hair immediately stopped twirling and ran to her mother's arms. Mommy! Hey you! Giles greeted her, grinning. He set his guitar aside and gave his wife a hug and a quick, fond kiss. Miranda made popping kiss noises with her mouth, so her parents kissed her too, one on each cheek, which made her laugh. Done with being held, Miranda wiggled until her mother let her down, and she went for her toys. She collected her favorite, a fluffy gray wolf with, Alaska, embroidered across the chest. The eyes were blue rather than gold, but it was a pretty good match for her father. Hi there, Max said wrapping her arms around her husband's waist. Giles moved his arms to do the same and pulled her in, smiling down at her. Hi. Mac ran her fingers under the edge of her husband's shirt and traced them over the warm skin of his lower back. Did you start dinner? Actually. 
I have to go work on a shed at the Milton's cabin, but I'll be back in a couple of hours. In the meantime, you will be dropping Miranda off at your parents' house. They're going to watch her for the night. I thought we could use some time alone. Oh, I like this idea. What's the plan? Max smiled and squeezed her husband's waist, enjoying the feel of his solid muscles under her hands. She would have gone further, but as she was still keeping watch over her daughter out of the corner of one eye, she contented herself with imagining what she could do to his body later. Giles murmured, low and quiet. I was thinking we could get takeout, maybe share a bottle of wine, and then see where the evening goes. He planted an impatient kiss on his wife's forehead. Max's smile widened and her eyes brightened with anticipation. Sounds perfect. But no wine. No? Giles blinked. Then, yup. I called the doctor's office just before I left. I'm definitely pregnant. Giles threw his head back and laughed. He hugged her again, pulling her against his chest. Damn. Well then. All the more reason to have a night to ourselves right now. His words were heavy with intent and his eyes glittered darkly with need. Mac put a hand on each side of his scruffy face and pulled him down for a kiss. It was a real kiss this time, wet and warm and full of desire. Dear God, she loved this man. Giles let his eyes half close in contentment and smiled down at her. Have I told you lately how much I love being married to you? Mac bit her lower lip and grinned. No, but I certainly wouldn't mind hearing it, again, and again, and again. Giles gave his mate's backside a hard squeeze. Mine. The End This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Visit the other channels for more stories with a different focus. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out.